Welcome back. It's the midweek episode of Rem and Sam. Of course, joining us as always every week of the NFL season, it's Ian Fataport. And I think, you know, week two, and we already got to tell people not to panic. I think the theme of the episode is don't panic. We're talking panic teams, panic fantasy trades, panic fantasy guys, panic for Alabama QBs. And we're doing our, our week three fantasy lineup. It's, it's all coming up next. Okay, so we're recording this part first. We may run this a little bit later, though. It's a little past 7.30 on a Tuesday here in the Midwest. I think in terms of football, you know, the games are past. I think all of the big news is out at this point, too. But Ian, of course, is still here. Joining us, we've got another member of the Dynasty League. Are you on Twitter? It's it's Well, it's not just a member, either. It's, it's, it's the guy. It's the commish. The commish it's the guy who yeah. runs the whole thing. Is the commission on X? The commission is on X. I'll have to pull it up here. You got to shout out the, is it, is it, is it like a commission page or is it the team page? It's team page. So it's uh WW tug shop. No, no spaces there. No under score or whatever. So yeah, we're on it. You don't have like an official the commission page, but I think, I think like president has like an Instagram page. Like Biden has like, his oh, own, yeah. but then I think like the president also has like an official Instagram page. Yeah, I don't like know POTUS, if the NFL commissioner yeah. does. Yeah, uh, the POTUS. You know, yeah, the POTUS page. You know, I just leave that stuff up to uh, Fataport. He's got it covered. True, he's got all the inside sources, and the commissioner probably doesn't want too much stuff leaking out. Anyways, I can't imagine if the no. actual commissioner had news leaking out, it would be good. It wouldn't be great. No. It wouldn't be great. Somebody else who hasn't had great news either. We were just baking on Brian Brian Ferentz a little bit before we started. Do, Dan, do we need to keep going? Because we were, you know, we were talking. We were talking about the contract, and it it says twenty five points a game. But then we were talking about, well, is that offense or team points? And I get if it's team points, but doesn't it kind of make sense to make it, would, it offensive? It would make sense just because since it's a contract more based on him and not like the team all around because. If you look at week one, we didn't even – I think we put up 24 points and we had a pick six in that game. So, if we're going on only yeah. offense, it's 17. Uh, most of our points in this last game was pretty much offense, but it was a weaker defense that we were playing. So, I don't know. Can't really give too much credit. And then Iowa State, we barely put up anything. Neither team really did anything that game. So, if it was only if it was only offensive points per game, there's no way in hell he makes those contract bonuses. But with the defense kind of helping him out, I could I could see us maybe getting to 25 this year. Do field goals even count? Extra points? Is it just I mean, six points of possession for Brian Ferentz? It would. I, I'm pretty sure they count. But if, like I said, if they didn't, if defense didn't count, PATs and field goals didn't count, we would be screwed. Well, he would be screwed. I think most Iowa fans would be happy to see him go. I wonder. I wonder. Yeah, with after the performance you guys had this week, if you'd be at 25 offensive points per game. Because you're right. Like some of those lower, like those other games where you barely got there. You know, you weren't getting there with your offense. So it was bad. It was yeah. it was bad. Seventeen point seven points per game last year. Oh geez. Brian Ferentz is keeping his he's keeping his fingers crossed. I mean, for those of you watching on Spotify, you can see Dan has moved the Iowa flag out of the shot. Maybe there's some replacements on the way, but the Iowa one is off to the side now. Brian yeah. Ferentz. You'll have to stay tuned for what's going up behind me. Stay tuned. Uh keep uh keep tuned in. Kamish, I know we're gonna talk about the league and some of the trades. 
that have happened in the league as well to react to some of the trades, trying to learn some stuff from that. But you're a Lions fan too, right? That's your team? Yep, Lions fan. Yep. They won. Through and through? How, 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 how did you become a Lions fan? Because it's not like, I don't feel like there's any Lions fans by choice, right? Yeah, you know, probably not. But uh, I probably <laughs> not, Madden, I don't know, you know? I know They had some nice uniforms back whenever I started playing Madden. So The uniforms? Calvin Johnson, you know, come on. You got duped, nice in, back in the day. duped by the silver and blue? Oh, yeah. That's a tough, I feel like, I feel like any other, like, you know, like 12 year old, like guy that's like, I, were you like, were you like watching as a kid when the Seahawks had like their neon green? I feel like every, every like junior high guy was into the neon green Seahawks stuff. Yeah, that could have been your favorite yeah. team. No, man, couldn't do it, but, uh, love the lions. Good uniforms. Love the Calvin Johnson. So that's, that's where it comes from. It, that would have been good for you this week. Cause the Seahawks ended up getting you guys. That was that was an interesting game because that's the kind of game where, you know, you guys are in this weird position in the NFC right now. Like, what what, what tier do you think you're even in in the NFC? Are you guys just in, like, kind of a tier by yourselves? Because I don't think you're as good as the Eagles and the 49ers and the Cowboys necessarily. But, I mean, the Seahawks just beat you. But I still don't know if I see another team that I trust week to week you know, outside of those three more than the lines. Are you, are you just kind of in this weird, like hovering middle area in the NFC? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's a, it's a good point you're making. I would agree with you. We're kind of in a little box because mm. I think we have a strong chance to win the division still even losing to Seattle, but there's mm-hmm. still those, you know, four main five main teams that I don't think we can really compete against yet, especially with all the injuries we're having. So who who are you afraid of most in the NFC North right now? Are the Packers the Packers are two and zero? Uh, I, they lost last week, I think, to uh, Atlanta. They did, yeah, so, at one point. Yeah, no one no one looks good. Bears are garbage. Vikings, uh, defensively, they're horrible. And then Packers, you know, they had some good games. We'll see. Jordan Love looks to be pretty good. So probably Packers are the best competition, but it doesn't look good in the NFC North. What is this for? Like. Because I know, like like I said, the team is solid, and I trust the team like week to week a lot compared to the other NFC teams. But Goff was, I don't want to say he was the reason that, you know, but he had the he had the costly pick. And going into the season, he's like kind of the big question mark anyways, just historically the inconsistency there at quarterback. So is this is this like a make or break year for Goff? Do you think with the Lions? Because you do there is some sneaky stuff with his contract where you could get out of it. Hendon hookers there. You could have a lot of salary cap space. If you wanted to try to get frisky in the off season. And I, you know, again, I think your team's going to be good, but if the deciding, if, you know, we look back at your season and the deciding thing in these close games is like, Oh, there was a moment in this loss where Goff had the pick. And then maybe it happens again later in the season where close game, competitive season. It's like, here's another moment. Good season. You know, maybe you made the playoffs and did well, but, if golf is just having these little like costly moments for your team, like, like how sold are you on him for your, as your quarterback right now? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think golf's honestly playing really well. I wouldn't put uh, last week mm. on him. I mean, the defense has got to do something 31 points. That's it's not going to get it done. I think he had a great game. He's had good season so far. Is he on the hot seat? Uh, honestly, it's more the coaches. I think that are on the hot seat. Goff has been playing stellar. So, 
We could definitely get out of his contract uh, next year with how the money's, you know, in the contract. But, no, I really like Goff. I think he's a, easily a top-five quarterback in the NFC. Top-five in the NFC? Because I guess, I mean, Hurts going into the season, probably consensus number one. Yeah. And then after that, I mean, is it is it Goff with your offensive coordinator, though? Like I mean, you know, you said the coaches, but I do, I do like, I do like of all of your coaches. I think your offensive coordinator, I like him the most, in like his role. I think compared to like Dan Campbell's, like I just think you have you have the best offensive coordinator in the league. And Dan Campbell might not be a good coach, might be a good coach, but you know he's not the best coach in the league. So I think you know is is the golf stuff kind of tied to Ben Johnson there as well. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, uh, only time will tell. I'm sure uh, Ben Johnson, how good he is, he'll probably have a head coaching spot next year. And if Goff's still around, then we'll really be able to tell then. But I think they just work really well together. Goff can really execute the scheme well. I mean, he's he doesn't make many mistakes, even though everyone sees the you know pick six last week. He yeah. doesn't make too many mistakes. He's pretty consistent. Uh, he's just a good quarterback. I think he's just dependent on the weapons he has next to him in the scheme. Yeah, I think he only had like, one pick in the back half of the season. And I think that was like, that was, that was in like the ninth game too. So you just go like the last eight games. He didn't have any picks. And I know golf has been up and down, but you're right in that system. He is pretty consistent. Doesn't, doesn't turn the ball over that much. So, you know, I think, I think like you're saying, like for the NFC, I think it works, but it's just going to be interesting to see if I think if these things stack up on top of each other, just because that pick six is just like this big, obvious thing, you know, you, you could point to and if, you have these things at the end of the season and you're just like, okay, what do we need to do to get this roster? Like the one piece up. I mean, I, you know, that's probably going to be the first place you look. Okay. We had a technical difficulty, but we're back. And uh, speaking of Nick, of rebuilding your, your team's roster, we were talking a little bit about it, but you, you were at the draft this year, right? You were in attendance. Yes. At attendance. You were there. How many were in the crew? It was you, the commish, and Ian. Other, were there yeah, other, I mean, were there other team owner representatives involved? I want to say we had at least three more uh, league representatives. It was a blast. It really yeah, was. Yeah. So uh, it was us two, and then we had the owner of the now renamed to the Herberts <laughs> dot 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 club. Yeah. Hmm. Due to Nick Chubb's injury. Uh, we had the owner of uh, Saquon's number one dig rider and the owner of the new newest team in the league uh, named Sleepy Joe. So it was we had, we had about half the league go down to the draft. Shout out Sleepy Joe. So you were in attendance when they made the pick, the running back pick in the top 12, top 15. Yes, I was I was quite shocked. I'm pretty sure I called it before it happened as a joke. And then. Of just course, messing around. You know, Jameer Gibbs is the guy, right? You so. should have seen his face, dude. He was uh so who was it that you were trying? What pick was it? Was it uh well we were at six and then it was we six, yeah. So down with the Cardinals and they picked uh that tackle mm-hmm. and then we went down to I want to say ten or twelve. Ten or twelve. I think 12. Yeah, before well, you traded yeah. that six, you were looking over at me chanting Jalen Carter, Jalen Carter, oh, yeah. Jalen Carter. I wanted Jalen Carter. Then, and then the trade came in. Looking back, is that the way you would have wanted it to have played out? Would you have just stayed at six and taken, taken Carter? Oh, um, I mean, if I'm a Lions GM, which I'm not, so, <laughs> but uh, I would have definitely taken Jalen Carter. I mean, Gibbs is is definitely a good talent. I'm I've 
I'm almost certain that he'll be crazy in our offense, but uh, Jalen Carter, I mean, would help the front so much, and that's exactly where we need the most. So, But he's just not a, uh, I don't know what's the word, uh, chemistry, team chemistry builder. I don't know. He just isn't the guy for Dan Campbell. He likes strong character individuals, and obviously he felt like he wasn't the guy. There was some, I know there was some reports about, yeah, Campbell wasn't necessarily sold on his interview, which is is a bummer because like you're saying, he is almost what you need. You pair him with Hutch too. Yeah. And now you have oh. Jalen Carter and Aiden Hutchinson. And I mean, Carter was the, in my, I mean, at least in my opinion, he was the best, just straight up, just the best player in the draft. And yeah. if there's any, if there's any world where you can get the best player in the draft with the sixth pick, I mean, that just, that seems like a steal, but. Yeah, I mean, the interview. Tough. Yeah. Losing out on all, all the sacks. He might already be hey. like a top top eight defensive like tackle in the league. Like he I think I is. think week one he had like like what two sacks, like five quarterback hits. I mean he was just right away. It's instant. I mean it makes sense too, because the he was the best player on the Georgia defensive line and the the Eagles just have the Georgia defensive line. So it's like, oh of course Jalen Carter's just gonna going to be the best player again of course him and jordan davis are gonna gonna look good together but i mean are you are you it i bet you're like much more in on gibbs now compared to the draft i mean i'm sure the fantasy thing helps i think do you have him stashed away on the team oh yeah i got him on like probably every team i own so that, yeah, that's always good to. to get the get the guy of your the guy of your favorite team because i don't i'm not gonna have anthony richardson in our redraft league this year and I mean, assuming he stays healthy, it seems like he's going to have a top top 10 quarterback season, and I'm just going to totally miss out on it, and he's going to be my guy. But, I mean, I'll take him for my real team over over my fantasy team, I guess. But, yeah, I mean, you do you do like the Gibbs pick. I mean, Carter obviously staying at pick, staying at the sixth pick and taking Carter was one option. But I think another guy that a lot of Lions people were really hoping to get, well, one, you guys, I think were really hoping to get Witherspoon, the mm-hmm. corner yep. out of Illinois. And I think when Seattle took him, that's why you guys traded back. But would you rather have Christian Gonzalez with that 12th pick? I mean, it's, we're only two games in, but Christian Gonzalez or Jameer Gibbs. Yeah. You know, I, I think Gonzalez is a good player. He, I think he had a pick yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what Tuesday. So Monday night football, he had a pick, but uh, I mean, only time will tell. I think, if the if I'll trust the GM, if the GM wanted Gibbs, uh, I'll just, I'll rock with it. Gibbs is the guy. Good too, because Gibbs is on your team, backer guy, right? You don't want to yeah, start definitely. two games in. He might be, he might be amazing. Who's had the best? Who's had the best career of any like Alabama running back in the NFL? Of like the recent the recent running guys, I guess Henry, right? Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. Derrick Henry. Hundred percent. Because the other gotta be. Yeah, Dan. Who are like the other other guys? It's like the Trent Richardson, oh. Eddie Lacy. Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. Yeah. There's a Mark Ingram year in there. Lacey. Are you throwing Kenyon Drake in the group? <laughs> no. I always I always think Camara went to Bama, but then I always remember that uh, uh, he didn't he Tennessee. start there, then, then he transferred to Tennessee. Yeah. Did he start at in Bama? Point, at one point they had a they had a running back roster room with like uh it was him and Josh Jacobs. Jacobs is another one. Jacobs is another guys one. on that list. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Najee Harris, younger guy, Najee obviously hasn't really there. had a had a career yet. That was There's a, it looks. Like... So let's see. Uh, in 2013, Brian Robinson Jr. 
Brian Robinson, he'll he'll be he'll be getting there soon. In 2013 on their depth chart, they had Derek Henry, Kenyon Drake, Alvin Kamara, and TJ Yeldon. Oh, Yeldon. I forgot about Yeldon. Yeah, because he Yeldon had like a nice for, fantasy run in there. For Jacksonville, wasn't it? Yeah. Didn't he have a good season? I feel like there was a year where TJ Yeldon was like a major sleeper in leagues and then it was one and then of kind his, of popped up. It was one of his I first mean, couple of years into the league, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, his rookie season he had a thousand yards and three touchdowns. Okay, so not like you know, major stuff. Maybe he was. A, maybe he was more of a guy that was gonna be a sleeper. You know, like a trendy guy. Right. Maybe that's what I'm remembering. I'll, I mean, it makes sense too. Alabama running backs. You got to give at least one of them a shot. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if 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 Derrick Henry's the mark, I guess that is a that is a pretty high bar to say. Pretty, I mean, it's just pretty high standard. I mean, in terms of a dominance standpoint, but like the career. The career numbers, I guess the career numbers for Henry are good too. And he also has the single best season. You know, he ran for right. 2,000 yards. Offensive player of the year in 2020. All pro that season. Led the league in rushing two times. He's had three 1,500-yard seasons. Yeah, he was 126 yards a game in that 2020 season with Tennessee. But, I mean, Gibbs could be the second best, right, of these recent guys. Possible. He, he probably won't have the rushing yards, but I think the, the scrimmage yards, there, the scrimmage yards. Yeah, I, I think he's he's going to be there. I feel like it's got to be. And something about his play style, too. I just feel like, you know, he is a smaller guy, but something about his play style, too. I just feel like is going to hold up longer in the lifespan for running backs, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, shorter. he runs angry for sure. He runs like he's a lot bigger than he is. I mean, you can see that. Yeah. In the Kansas City game, he's just breaking tackles. He runs like it's his last run. He he runs like Pacheco, kind of, if you uh, hmm. can imagine that. Souped up Pacheco? Jameer Gibbs? Hey, I'm not, I'm not kinda saying li- it, but... Kind of like that comp. I, I don't think it's a crazy take to say it's that not Gibbs like a they, they, do, they do both run the hell out of the football when they get it. Like, you look at Pacheco last season, every time he had the ball full strength trying to run through as many people as possible. And he might, he's a, he's a lot smaller frame than guys like, uh, like Derek Henry who can just run straight through somebody. But uh, it's those guys who, when they get the ball and they can just, it doesn't matter how big they are and they'll just try to take their, their power and go straight through people and get as many yards as possible. It's the guys you want on your team. Well, There's he's so, to, yeah, no, go for it. Go ahead. I was going to say, I was he's just not say... afraid to put his, uh, you know, just get right into it. He's just, he's not going to step yeah. out of bounds. He's going to go right into contact. But he does too. Like, like he is like super elusive though. And it feels like he's just able to av- avoid a lot of contact. You know, he was at Alabama and he's an NFL athlete, but it seems like in the NFL too, he can just hold up and be super like elusive. I just, it, at, at the time you guys make the running back, everybody's just like, okay, you guys got a running back at 12. And then an inside linebacker, but I mean, I, Gibbs was an upgrade, I think, from any running back you, you've had, or at least I think he's going to be. I know the usage is there, but quite yet. But isn't Montgomery injured too? Isn't he going to miss some time? Yeah, I mean, he's supposed to miss, uh, I think, a couple weeks, but uh, no real report has come out yet how long it's going to be. So who knows? He might just miss one game. But so, yeah, I mean, I think Montgomery and Gibbs are both an upgrade from what we had last year. Mm. Yeah, and Campbell came out, I think it was either yesterday or today, he said it was a thigh bone bruise or just a thigh bruise, and he's considered day-to-day. So there's a chance that he misses this week, but it's still up in the air. Yep. Mm. But it feels like if he's going to miss time, though, that 
if, if they just if they just give Jameer Gibbs a bunch of touches and it goes like really, I just it's gonna go really well. And it, are they gonna not give him those touches again? Are they gonna like pull the reins back? I mean, you I know, feel like honestly, you guys are trying to win this year. Yeah, I don't honestly. I don't think they're gonna just give him 30, 20 touches this week because mm-hmm. Monty's out. I think they're trying to ease him into it, and he's gonna be a presence in the passing game for sure. But I don't know how much they'll really involve him in the running game. I think we'll probably pass that on to someone else so they can just, you know, run it up the middle. They probably want to save him, let him be fresh for the passing game. I mean, that's where you guys are using him the most. What did he did he lead your team in targets in that game against the Chiefs? Ooh. And especially with Jamison Williams out right now. I do like uh who's the big receiver you guys have? Number eight. Is that Reynolds? Uh, probably Josh Reynolds. He's our deep threat, I guess you want to say. Yeah. Yeah, he's not fast at all. He's just he's a big body guy. He gets down there. He's huge. Sure. Yeah. I was watching him in that Chiefs game. I was like, I don't I don't remember him from last season, but he's just I don't remember him being that big. And he's kind of sneaky. I think uh I think Jameson Williams is gonna be nice, but I do like him as like a you know, sneaky, sneaky wide receiver two option. Are you excited for Jameson Williams when he comes back in the back yeah, half of the I year? Mean, for sure. Uh, you can tell that the Lions office ne- offense needs him. We lack mm-hmm. the speed. I mean, using Josh Reynolds as a deep threat is it's a sad thing to have to say. But yeah, I mean they'll have to involve him. We need the deep threat. Allow the middle of the field to get, you know, not as consumed. Everyone's trying to cover a monrod up the middle. So yeah, it'll be a good addition, I'm sure. Are you just worried that like I mean, because not everybody in that receiver class can be good, right? And we've already seen Garrett Wilson and Olave both be amazing. Yeah. And have incredible starts this season. I do like Jameson Williams, though. Like, coming out of the draft, I know I'd have to go pull it back up. But it was either him or Garrett Wilson. You know, they were 1-2. And uh, I don't remember exactly what order. So, I, I really uh, I really liked him coming out. And I think he's going to be a good addition for your offense. But since you are the commish of the fantasy league, I feel like it's fair. We wanted to do this. So, Dan is ranked some of what he's thought is like the craziest trades in the fantasy league. And I think he's going to, he's going to give them to us and me and the commissioner are going to blind, blindly react. And maybe there's, uh, you know, some stuff we can learn here. I think maybe, maybe the theme of the episode is just like, don't panic. I know, you know, we're doing the NFL panic power rankings. It's fantasy. You might be like looking to make moves and start like rebuilding, tearing down teams. Maybe not, maybe not every trade that you do think that uh, you pull, you think is going to work. Maybe it doesn't turn out being the best option. But Ian, am I setting that up the right way? Yeah, the blind so, reacting trades? Yeah, so I've got a list of, this is my rankings of, I've got the top five worst trades in our league. And this is as of uh, last Tuesday. So that would have been uh, September 12th. I haven't made any edits to this since then. We've had a couple trades. One could be an honorable mention according to some people in our league. But, I mean, it was a trade between me and the commissioner, so I don't think either of us are really going to put that out there as a bad one. <laughs> you guys both thought uh, it was a good trade? Fair, I mean, fair it, value it, all yeah, around? I, I think for the both of us, we I think we <laughs> both liked it. Uh, I don't think any of the other eight people in our league probably would say the same thing. But, you know, it's not their trade, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, so, are you uh, saying that there was some shenanigans? Not not necessarily. There was just people... Necessarily? People value people lower and higher than the rest of us would. So this is this is some technical legal speak going on with the fantasy trade. 
Yeah, so uh, I'm going to start with honorable mentions. I've got three honorable mention trades before we get to our top five. Uh, I didn't really rank the honorable mentions. I just want to kind of throw them out there. So the first one I'll say is uh, this was a trade between my team and another team named the Utter Tuggers. So (laughs) I sent – and this was – this would have been uh, last season. I think it was earlier in last season, mid-last season. Nick, you can remind me if I'm wrong after I bring it up. But uh, I sent Tony Pollard, Deshaun Watson, and Amari Cooper – to the utter tuggers for uh Cooper Cup and Leonard Fournette. This is and I mean obviously, but this yeah. is a dynasty league, right? It's a uh, yeah, so it's a league. dynasty league. And uh I will say uh last year I didn't really care about age like I should have. I didn't really take into account <laughs> like, like the should've. length of the like the length of the league. So uh last year, obviously Tony Pollard, who kind of had some boom weeks but wasn't the RB1. We had Deshaun Watson who was suspended, and then when he came back, played like shit. Uh, and then Amari Cooper, who didn't really benefit that much last year from the QB play in Cleveland for uh, Cooper Cup, who did end up getting injured towards the end of the last season. But uh, Leonard Fournette was kind of the big piece in that that I wanted to bring in just because he was doing pretty well last season, especially early, and I needed a running back presence. Uh, looking back on it, it was definitely one of the worst trades in our league just because of uh, the value in Tony Pollard. Deshaun Watson's kind of coming back into his own and Amari Cooper's really benefiting on that. And then obviously Leonard Fournette is not on an active roster. So uh, that really only lasted me about 12 or 13 games last season. So I've got, I've got that one on there. Uh, next one I'll go to. Oh, yeah, just this. real quick, the commish. So looking at that trade yeah. now, would you, would you do like, just take a lot of the pieces away. Would you do Pollard for cup and Fournette? Just, I guess you can't even do Pollard and cup for Fournette. Would you do Pollard and for Cup just straight up at this point? Uh, no, I wouldn't. It's it's really funny because uh, behind the scenes, I actually brokered this deal because right after this, uh, I traded like Kyler and some package for uh, for basically what he just got, mm-hmm. the Pollard and um, I don't know who else it was. Pollard, Deshaun Watson, Watson, and Cooper. Yeah, because yeah, I brokered all three it. Of them. And at the time, it was honestly pretty fair. Uh, like it was probably like week five because – Watson hadn't come back yet, and Pollard really wasn't break a breakout at all. Like Zeke was getting the majority of the touches, so it was really fair at the time. But at this point, it looks rough because you know Fournette is worth basically nothing. He's probably a free agent. Uh, I mean, Cup. I don't even know what his value is because he's not playing. He might be out for what four more, four or five more weeks. Mm-hmm. And then who else? Who else was in that deal? I don't even know. Uh, Cup, Fournette, Pollard, Watson, Cooper. Yeah, so, you know, it, it is what it is. At the time, it was fine, but, I mean, looking back on it, that's probably one of the worst trades in the league. Looks like there's some Fournette to the Vikings rumors right now. If Fournette signed as a, on the Vikings, Dan, do you feel a lot better about that? Is he even still um, on your team? I, don't, I, I honestly have to look because it's. I've had him for so long, I don't even remember if I still have him rostered. I'm pretty he sure doesn't he's have a free him. agent. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. you should just know if he's not on your team, I feel I, like. I, he's not. Yeah, he's not. I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> up on – Uh, yep, he's up on the available players in our league right now. But, I mean, if he if he ends up signing for a team, I could see him getting picked up by somebody. I don't know if it'll be necessarily me. But uh, for him to go this long without being on an active roster just makes me think that he can't pass a physical to get on a team. And that's kind of the same thing with Kareem Hunt uh, not signing with somebody right away this offseason, especially – a lot of teams that needed that running back depth to kind of help them out. Fournette to the Fournette to Cleveland. 
I don't know. I don't think he takes the job. R.I.P. From... Nick Chubb. Yeah, R.I.P. My apology. Should I should I make a quick apology to Nick Chubb because I feel like just you know my the same game parlay jinx that I've been throwing on these guys to <laughs> begin the season is I it's just it's all time stuff through two weeks on some of these games and I the Monday night parlay that I had lined up was I don't want to say it was it was a great parlay but everything hit except for the Chubb leg it was. Pickens 50 yards, Rashid to have four plus catches and uh, Pickens touchdown as well too, plus a Nick Chubb touchdown and everything hits and Nick Chubb ends up going out for the season. So, I mean, of course, you know, RIP Nick Chubb season, get well soon, but uh, yeah, my bad. Sorry about that one. But uh, no, no, I guess it's Dan's bad on the Pollard for cup trade because now he doesn't have what could potentially be commission when going into the season, I had just on my fantasy board just for this year as my top three running backs, I had Bijan McCaffrey and Pollard. I was just like with Zeke out of the way, I feel like he was just primed for a big year. And I mean, I don't know if he's exactly top three right now, but the production is top level fantasy worthy to start the season. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely there uh, having him on my team. He's mm-hmm. definitely a guy that you can feel comfortable with every week, getting at least 10 points and having the, the availability to get a boom week. He's a great player to have, and I'd agree with you. He was top three on my uh, board this year, but I had Chubb in there also, and that did not pan out well. So it is what it is. He was on pace for it. He was going to get the usage this year. It was uh, it was going to be another year for Nick Chubb. But I get that. That was the first honorable mention. Dan, we got we to gotta go through these. What's the next yeah. one? What's the next one? So I've got two more, and I'll just kind of quickly kind of throw these out there. This one was debated top five, but it kind of drew its way back down. Uh, this was early this offseason. It was Damian Pierce and Donovan's people or Donovan Peoples Jones for James Conner and David Bell. Hmm. Yeah, and our commissioner, uh, our commissioner does not have some very good thoughts on that one, as we know. DPJ and who? Uh, it was DPJ and Damian Pierce. Pierce, for Bell and who was the other guy? Bell and who? Sorry, uh, James Connor. Who? James Connor. I mean, okay. He's just kind of boring when it comes to fantasy. Like he gets his production points, but he doesn't really do anything else. And then yeah. David Bell, at the time where this was traded, had barely had a starting wide receiver spot for the Browns. So there was almost little to no value coming with that pick. I mean, you know, the college production from Bell is nice. He slides in the draft because some of the athletic testing and the Browns receiver room wasn't necessarily deep at the time. Mm-hmm. I, I see all, I see all the, I see how you could get there with the David Bell case, but Pierce is a nice player. I think in dynasty, just having a young running back like that. I don't know. Commission Pierce for James Connor. What's more attractive to you? Yeah, I mean, at the time of the trade, Pierce was peaked and James Conner was probably at a low. So, uh, you know, he made the trade to someone who wasn't contending and giving him a James Conner asset, which... So just because of that reason, I was like, this is a terrible trade. But yeah, honestly, I still have Pierce. He's on a bad team right now, bad offensive line, but his production is going to go much, much further than James Conner's production, I feel like. Conner has kind of had, like, a sneaky good start to the season this year, though. Been yeah, twelve points in week one, sixteen points in week two against the Giants. Twenty three for one hundred six and a touchdown. Twenty three carries for James Conner in week two. Been an annoyingly frustrating guy because I think he probably, 
I mean, at that pace, he probably outscores Pierce this year and has a better season than him again. And at what point it's like, okay, with the lifespan of these guys, when does Pierce take over? But I still, I would still hold out hope for the younger guy, but anyways, commission. Well, yeah. Or Dan, you had one more honorable mention. Yeah. Last honorable mention. And this one's a doozy. So kind of just stick with me. Uh, it was uh, Chig Okonkwo, the tight end for the Titans, a 2024 second round pick, a 2023 fourth round pick, a 2024 second round pick, and a 2025 third round pick oh, for a 2023 first round pick. Oh, and what, what do you know what that pick number uh, was? That pick was the 104, and it was CJ Stroud. Mm, a quarterback. So it would have been. It was four draft picks and uh, Chigo Conquo for uh, CJ Stroud. That feels Which, almost like a real move. It doesn't feel like I a fantasy move. No, like when it comes to fantasy, I don't really think it adds up just because you're giving up all that draft capital in yeah. a total of three years uh, for one guy. And uh, at this point, when this was traded, we didn't even know what pick it was going to be. Mm. so you could have been trading for the 102 you could have been trading yeah. for the 110 and you'd have and it's a big difference with like dalton kincaid going late first round compared to like anthony richardson who went at the third spot so it's just kind of it was kind of a blind trade at this point and for somebody like uh chico conquo who was kind of peaking at the time for the titans because it kind of looked like he was going to be one of their uh more valuable pass catchers on that offense he had a lot of value and then obviously uh uh, they went and signed uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and he kind of went down a little bit more. But I don't know. wasn't wasn't the greatest trade at the time. Mitch, again, that feels like kind of like a a real move. Like if you're gonna sacrifice all that stuff to get a quarterback, like I don't know, even in like a, a two QB league, like you, don't you just kind of want to have all the swings at receiver and running back? Well, you know, I I get the move here because uh, the player hmm. the player who made the trade for the first had probably just way too many picks. I mean, those seconds to him were probably nothing because he just has so much in the next couple of years where if he even made the picks, he'd have to, he'd have to trade them or cut his players. So it made sense to consolidate his assets into one. And I think he knew at the time, I think it was towards the end of the season. So he knew it was going to be a, an early ish pick. Like it wasn't at risk to be the one ten or anything. So honestly, I, I liked the move at the time and I still don't think it was a bad move. A couple seconds in Jig for for uh, 104. I mean, I don't know, man. I I I don't mind it. That trade. Do you like it? Like, do you like that pick being Stroud, or would you rather that move? Like, I don't know. Is Gibbs on the board at that point? Maybe you still grab one of yeah. the top end receivers. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it'd be worth it for Gibbs. Uh, you know, CJ Stroud. He's having a great year okay. to start. Even like a JSN, he could have got JSN. I feel like I'd rather just if you have that much uh, just picks and assets at your disposal, you might as well just accumulate it and get the best player. And I I feel like he did that. It's fair. Consolidate for a top guy. So are we are we into the list? Is this the official top five? We are we are into the top five. So the is it fair to fifth... say that this is is it fair to say that this is just all time because your guys' league is the league, right? It's the number one league. So these are the five worst trades of all time so far. These, these are the five worst dynasty trades of all time. I'm willing to put that out there. Uh, this trade. Now you got to stick with me more than the last one. Cause this trade involved a, a, a draft pick and 13 players. So okay. uh, the first side, uh, it was Derek Carr, Chris Godwin, uh, DK Metcalf, Dalton, not, or yep. So it was uh, Knox, 
Ramondre Stevenson, uh, Joshua Palmer, and a 2023 first-round pick for Russell Wilson, Jeff Wilson, Hollywood Brown, Noah Fant, Miles Sanders, Rashad Bateman, and Sky Moore. So for this trade, it was really, at the time, the value was pretty even, but just as a, it just aged terribly. Like the entire side with Russ, Jeff Wilson, Hollywood Brown, that like the only real valuable player on that side of the board is Marquise Brown. And you can't really say that he has that good of value to be able to like uh, justify that trade this year. Can you read that first side of the trade again? Yeah. So the first side was Derek Carr, Chris Godwin, DK Metcalf, Dalton Knox, Ramondre Stevenson, Joshua Palmer, and a 2023 first round pick. I don't know. Why is DK Metcalf in there? Who on the other side? Who on the other side was of equal value? There's a lot of, you know, rotation, quote unquote, rotation level guys in there. But DK was like a, you know, in redraft leagues, he's a top 20 pick, top 25 pick. Yeah, at the time, Marquise Brown was actually even with DK on most sites. Like if you use keep trade cut for your dynasty values, they were pretty like they were even. So okay. it was one of those situations where, you know, the side that aged poorly, it was at a point where every single one of those players was at peak value. And uh, the manager made a smart move, you know, just making that trade. Was this like pre-Kyler injury? Where was where was the Marquise Brown in the Kyler timeline at this point? This had to be like week uh, two or three. It was when D-Hop, I think he was out with suspension. And Marquise had probably a top, five receiver play into like three weeks so it was around then are you a marquise brown guy yeah i I really do like marquise brown i think i think he's a good player it was hard for me to let him go i was the guy in the uh that traded him yeah he was on the beneficial receiving side of that trade that's why he said it was a good move for the team owner because it was oh you got dk metcalf i did yeah jeez yeah, he, so he, was, was, he was on the he, his side definitely aged well. And I I want to apologize. Uh, Dawson Knox, if you're watching this, I did call you Dalton. Uh, but Dalton let's Knox. just move past that. All right. Dawson Kincaid. All right. Are you guys ready for number four? You can hit us with number four. All right. Number four. Uh, this one included this one uh, was my trade. Uh, I ended up trading with uh, the Herbert's Chubb Club owner. I sent him Cooper Rip. Cup for Isaiah Hodgins and a 2025 second round pick. Hmm. Okay. And I honestly I was, think the trade. I think the trade that you just read is worse because, again, the DK thing. I think is, I think is uh, I think is worse than this uh this move here. I don't know. I'll kind of I'll kind of explain my thought process. I don't really like it now, but at the time I was a fan of it. Uh, so this was right after uh the season last year. I ended up finishing. It was either third or fourth in our league. I had very high expectations for my team. I thought I was going to win the whole thing. I had a, I had a pretty uh, old team when it that. came to came to age. And I, I thought I had good enough scale value. And when I lost that, I was like, you know what? I think it's time to sell everybody away, kind of start a rebuild, which was kind of impulse preemptive thinking on my point. But uh, yeah, so I kind of didn't really think Cooper Cup – I thought he was kind of going to peak in his triple crown year and that his value is going to slowly start to go down. He uh, proved me very wrong so far uh, at 30 years old, uh, still producing at the level that he can, even though he is currently injured, I expect him to come back and have a top 10 wide receiver finish season. Uh, So with a guy like Isaiah Hodgins, who might be on the higher end of the depth chart for the giants, 
uh, it's still the Giants. Uh, you can't really expect that much out of their receivers, especially just with their passing game. It's kind of hit or miss. And then that 2025 second at that time, I had to wait a whole uh, draft class in between to be able to use that pick, which I, I believe I still have. I don't remember whose second round pick I ended up receiving, but I know I, I currently have four of them in that draft class. I know I traded one away, but so, com- uh, we'll see. Kamish, what, at what point with a guy, like if you have a guy like Cooper Cup that had it that kind of a season, but you know, in Dynasty might be on the older end, so you're always kind of weighing the value there. At what point do you feel like you can't get a first-round pick for a guy like Cooper Cup? Because I think if you said, you know, you traded Cup for a young player and a pick, and the young player is Hodgins, I go, okay, I, I kind of like Hodgins. Now, what's that pick? I just feel like for Cooper Cup, that has to be a first-round pick. And even though he's hurt, you know, he wasn't too far removed, I think, from that amazing season and still could potentially have two or three more years. How do you weigh the first-round pick with a guy like Cooper Cup? You know, Derrick Henry maybe in this position now. If you have Devontae, you know, just like these plus 30 fantasy stars. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this is a good lesson to be learned because selling an old asset after the season before draft time you're just never going to get good value. Like, it's just the worst hmm. time to sell a player. I mean, no one's in on the old guys. They're all in on the rookies. So it's, it was just it was just a bad accumulation of events. But he probably should have fetched a first. Now, I would say there's probably no shot he's fetching a first just because of the injury. Hmm. And, you know, will he be the same player he was before this injury? Will he come back within the next few weeks? We don't really know. So I don't think – I don't know. In our league, I don't think he fetches a first, but – should he have fetched a first at that point? Probably, but yeah, it's just a good lesson to be learned. You think Derrick Henry's still worth a first round pick in fantasy? With our format, no. Just because mm. uh I mean it's is your PPR format way. sorry to interrupt, but like is your format like a pretty standard sleeper format? Um, there there's a little bit of a difference. Uh okay. it's obviously it's what full point PPR and then a bonus for tight ends. So tight ends are worth more in this league. But as for running backs, I mean, if there was, like, a, a carry boost or, like, I don't know, just yeah. something to yeah. increase with the, the amount of, like, rushing yards, I would say he could probably fetch a first, but just there's a lot of guys that can outplay him just despite him being, a, like, an overall great NFL player. He just – he's a good fantasy asset, but I don't, I don't think he can fetch a first at the age of 30. I know he was still a first-round pick in redraft leagues this year, but I think even if you asked a lot of people if – he was going to be like first round pick next year. You know, there's yeah. definitely more questions about that. Devonte Adams quickly still a first. I, I think Devonte Adams still first. He's still playing great, absolutely fantastic. He's I think he's like what thirty, but I mean I I feel like you can be a lot more comfortable with a thirty year old receiver than you can earn. Mm. What about especially? A- oh, especially uh, somebody like Devonte Adams who's who's known for being that deep threat. He can be a good possession catching wide receiver. He's really reliable. And on every team that he's been in with every QB, he's been the first option. So mm. yeah, I, I would agree with the commission. I'd say he's definitely still worth a first. Yeah. I mean, his style of play alone. Yeah. Who else is in that like 30 plus, I guess Henry's not quite 30 yet. He'll Mike be 30 Evans. in January, but. Ooh, Mike Evans. Is Mike Evans worth a first round right now? There's no I, way. I, no way. Mike I Evans wouldn't put him at a first. I'd probably put him at uh, at least a second, 
and maybe maybe a little thrown on there, but by little I mean very little. Probably something that uh, it could barely add up to a first, but definitely not a first round pick straight up. Just in general, would you guys buy, sell, or hold Mike Evans? Yeah, I mean, depends on your team. I, I if you're a contender, I feel like why not buy up some Mike Evans? He's playing great. I mean. I doubt that the seller, if they're trying to sell him, is going to ask for that much. So, yeah, I mean, this is probably a good time to buy Mike Evans. Dan, what's, uh, is that, what, what's number three? Uh, number three is another, another trade involving me. Uh, so oh, I geez. actually went out. Are we early... learning something about Dan's fantasy management skills what today? What we are learning is that I am a terrible fantasy manager, and you guys will realize <laughs> that for this trade and the trade after this one. So oh, this no. trade was early last season. I think this was week three or four. I went out and bought tight end Travis Kelsey for a 2023 first, a 2024 first, a 2024 second, and a 2025 second. Guy that traded Cooper Cup away for a single second round pick also sacrificed his future to go out and get Travis Kelsey. I don't know how many... Kimmich, what, what is... a uh... What is what is the Travis Kelsey future look like here? Is he even is he going to have a good you know what was his numbers like from this last game? I would assume that this year he's still going to be amazing. I mean, I still think that Travis Kelsey has a couple of years left. I'm definitely not on the side of wondering you know whether or not he's like when is going to be the year when Travis Kelsey falls off. Are you like are you like a shaky Travis Kelsey fantasy guy? Uh, I mean, I think Travis Kelsey's got stable value right now. He's still playing good. He doesn't look like he's slowing down despite his age. Uh, I mean, I, I trust him. I'd say he's got at least this year and another year. And mm. to clarify that trade, it seems like a lot for a tight end, and it is, but it's because of our two-point uh, re per reception for tight ends, making him, I, I believe he was a top-10 asset last year. Yeah, mm. he, so overall, over, overall yeah. he was a top-10, and especially in an offense with Kansas City's last year who – he was leading the target share. He was leading in receiving touchdowns. He was always going to be Mahomes' number one guy. So uh, for me at the time, I, I justified being able to send that many picks because you're just getting you're getting a tight end who's who at that point was like leap years ahead of every other tight end. Yeah. Uh, for dynasty, so and it's, and just for fantasy overall. So I thought it was worth it at the time. Uh, looking back on it, it was a lot of draft capital that I did end up giving up, and that uh, at that point I wasn't really familiar with what I should be knowing when it comes to uh, having those draft picks and how valuable <laughs> okay. they can be with growing your team. So that's why I was kind of like, you know what, let's just kind of, let's just kind of throw these picks out and try to build like, like a team that can really take me this year and then just make me want to die the rest of my dynasty career. You have to remember Dan's a Broncos fan. So he's just, this is like probably right. Was this right after they traded for Russell Wilson? Uh, spent all the yeah. money this was did you give travis right kelsey after. a contract extension uh uh you'll actually find out with this next trade that i did not so oh. uh oh, this is no. trade this is the second worst trade and i feel like this trade is only the second worst trade for two reasons one we have tight end premium in our league uh and two with how much i gave up for kelsey uh this trade was just i'll just say it, it was pretty fucking bad <laughs> okay. It was pretty. It was pretty awful. So I traded Travis Kelsey and Joe Mixon, no, no, no. and Joe Mixon, for Zay Jones, 
2023 first, a 2023 third, and a 2025 second round pick. So how many firsts were in the original Travis Kelsey deal? Is that three? Originally, it was two firsts and two seconds, and I traded him and another asset away for probably half of that price. And was that because of what we were saying with the Travis Kelsey, just like with where he's at in his career right now? Well, that kind of went along with uh, why I traded Cooper Cup. I, w- I I didn't go as far in the league as I thought I was going to. I kind of wanted to see what it would look like if I just tore down and kind of started from scratch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, just knowing that no one uh, in their right mind would ever trade as much as that I did for Travis Kelsey. So I knew I wasn't going to get that price back. Uh, looking back on it, I definitely could have could have and should have gotten a lot higher price if I was going to trade Kelsey. Uh, so I did, I did undercut myself a good amount on that one and to trade away somebody as good as Kelsey with another asset who I probably could have kept in Joe <laughs> Mixon for at least yeah. one or two more years. Uh, yeah. Not a good look, not a good look on my uh, fantasy resume. Joe Mixon's still a top tier RB dynasty redrafts, right? I, I put him, I'd put him up there. He's pretty reliable. That Bengals offense does like to use him a lot. Uh, they don't really use, uh, when they had P Ryan, they used him a little bit as a second running back, but, uh, this year it's kind of just been mixing and a little bit of, uh, we've seen Chris Evans a couple times we've seen, they've got a guy behind him too, but I don't remember what his name is. I know who you're talking about the rookie. Yeah. Brown, yeah. Chase Brown, uh, Chase Brown. Have oh. I don't know if we've seen him that there's another guy that I'm thinking of, but I don't, I think his last name is uh, Travion Williams. Is that, yep. is that right? We've seen him a Where's couple times from? this year too. Um, I'm not sure. He's been around for a while. I think he's been around for a couple of years. I think he's a couple of years. 2019. Yeah. Got Out be. of Texas A&M. Oh yeah, he's been in Cincinnati the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Two carries last year, seven yards. I guess he was only in two games. And it's been a slow start for the Bengals' offense this year. I don't think they have a rushing touchdown. I think I think slow for that offense in general is a complete understatement. <laughs> they it just looks nice like man. it looks like they just forgot how to score to score touchdowns yeah. they forgot how to play football and this this might be one of the worst imaginable starts for a Bengals offense that you could imagine after yeah. making joe burrow the highest paid <laughs> player in the nfl dan had a crystal ball and he was like i see the joe mixon fall off i see it happening joe burrow's gonna get the contract he's gonna get in place and everything's gonna go get joe get joe mixon out of here early but uh is it should we drum roll or something you want to put a drum roll in here? You want to give me a little drum roll real quick? Is this it? All right. This is the number one. This is the what I think this is a pretty anonymous trade in our league where people would say it's definitely the worst one. Uh, this one does involve our commissioner. And of course, again, he was on the winning side of this trade. Mm. Um, so this one ended up being Rondale Moore, Taekwon Thornton, a 2024 second, a 2023 first and a 2025 third for arguably, and some people do argue this, the best wide receiver in the NFL, uh, Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase. Mm, can you read what he gave up for Chase one more time? It was Ron Dale a wide receiver four for the Cardinals, Tyquan Thornton, who oh. we might see him not even catch 10 passes this season, a uh, 2024 second you can't use until this upcoming year, a 2020. Five third, you can't use for two years, and then a 2023 first. And I don't exactly remember what number pick that was. But the big thing with this trade is to see a guy with the caliber of Jamar Chase go to a different team and only see one first round value pick coming back to it. It was just, uh, 
I don't want to say awful because I feel like that's not a strong enough term for this trade. Like it was nowhere near the value that Jamar Chase should have brought back in. And I could, I would definitely say everybody except for probably the guy who ended up trading that would agree. Permish, is there any lessons that we can learn from this other than just some people don't know what they're doing? I, I what is this? What happened? Why hey, there's, lessons to be learned here. there's lessons to be learned. I, I want to say again, I'll preface it those Rondell Moore and uh, what was it, Tyquan Thornton? Not as bad as they are now, but yeah, it was a bad trade. The The truth is um, it was early in the league, and I don't think people really understood the values and what players should be going for yet. It, it wasn't a great move, but, you know, time will tell. That first-round pick, I believe, was top three. Hey, we don't know. I think it could have been Anthony Richardson or something like that. It, uh, it might have it been. Aged. It was could either like – I think it was either Anthony Richardson or JSN. I think it was one of those two guys. If it was, I believe uh, it was Bijan, A. Rich, and then uh, Bryce Young who went in the draft one, two, three. So I, I don't know if it was uh, Anthony Richardson. I could see a real debate. I mean, I could see people taking Anthony Richardson as close as Jamar Chase right now. Would you trade Anthony Richardson for Jamar Chase? I mean, it just it depends. I mean, if you're worried about the Bengals as a whole and you're a true believer, like you might be uh, with, uh, you know, a rich, I could see it. But I, I think there's still division there. I think Jamar is still the better asset to have. But we'll see. It could get it could get pretty close. Would you trade Jamar for Bijan? Because Bijan is like the best asset that you could have gotten out of that class at all yeah. if he was trading for a pick. Would you have even done that trade? I mean, if you're a contender... I could definitely see a Bijan going over a Jamar Chase. I could definitely see it just because he's going to get that production as an RB1 for at least mm. five years. Mm. I think everyone can be confident with that. But I mean, with my strategy, I would say it's better to have the receiver than the running back. So personally, I'd stick with Jamar. But again, I could see a real uh, conversation for a Bijan down there. I think that's like the only guy that you're making the case for mm-hmm. on a, on a one V one basis. Right. I mean, I mean, cause it's not like, Dan, it's not like you're doing Gibbs for, it's not like you're doing Gibbs for chase. Right. It's just, you would need a couple more pieces. Right. And I, I agree with uh, the commission on this. I I'd rather have the receiver than the running back when it comes to certain trades, mm-hmm. just because uh, we all know the shelf life for running backs in the league can be very low. Sometimes you might see a guy, who uh, only really puts out performance numbers for about three years and then just falls off the grid. Like uh, you look at a guy like Eddie Lacy, who is really in the spotlight for, I would probably say two years. Two years? Max. Yeah. yeah. Two years max where he had those two good seasons. And then, and then he got fat and then, and then he dropped out of the league. So uh, original Ian Batterport. Running, running backs are tough when it comes to dynasty. You want to get those young guys who are going to have, uh, kind of the slight edge over uh, the older guys for that shelf life. So I would agree, definitely go with the younger receiver over over a younger running back. Yeah, Eddie Lacy went 1,100 rush yards, 1,100, 750, 360, 170. And that was, that is the Eddie Lacy career for the people that are interested. So Eddie Lacy, Eddie Lacy for Jamar Chase, I think. I think he won the trade. I think the two things we learned were Dan needs to Dan Dan will Dan is gaining experience in the fantasy field. And the commission, I just did you pick did you hand pick these people to fleece them? It's possible. People will say in the league that I did, but I swear it's there's no oh, funny business here. People people hundred percent do say that you 
you do pick the guys you know you can swindle and I'll, I'll kind of piggyback on Roman Tim. There's two, there's two things to learn and I won't be, I won't beat around the bush. There's two things to learn. One, some people don't know what they're doing with dynasty and I am one of them. And mm. two, if somebody offers you a trade where you're, uh, you're clearly winning, take advantage of them being stupid. Hmm. So make deals with the dumb people in your league. Make is the deals with of the of because if they have no idea what they're doing and you do something good's bound to happen for you. So I don't know. I feel like there could be a third lesson to be learned here, and it's not panic on your players in the offseason. Hmm. And maybe ask other league mates for their offer first before you make a trade. That's a good lesson to be learned here, I feel like. Do you have any people for this season, just week two, don't panic? I mean, I feel like Jameer Gibbs is a prime don't panic player just because he hasn't done much in his first couple games. But the breakout will be coming, I can promise. Uh, Joe Burrow, I think, is one. I I think mm. there's a little bit of panic just because I, I'm pretty confident that he's still injured. That I think it's his calf. I think he's still injured and it's affecting his play, but mm-hmm. I mean he's just he's just that guy. Like he he's he'll be fine. He'll come back. Don't panic, don't sell him low. Other than that, uh I don't know. What do you think, Fataport? Uh I've got one don't panic. Uh and it's kind of coming into uh week one, didn't play, week two, kind of a slower start, but I'm gonna go with Travis Kelsey. Mm. Uh so this week two, he had four receptions, twenty-six yards and a touchdown. So in our league, that would be about 16 points i believe i believe uh last year if he puts a number on it he was averaging somewhere between 30 and 35 points per game with that tight end premium uh you just got to keep in mind it's the chiefs the chiefs they're going to figure it out uh they they have the most explosive offense in the league patrick mahomes is going to figure it out throughout the rest of the year uh so i definitely see uh kelsey season kind of like last year if he can stay on the field this season he's going to figure it out and he's going to definitely finish number one overall for tight ends Kelsey is like the only tight end that makes that tight end bonus like actually like an actual bonus. The other guys, I mean, just if you just like double their points in redraft leagues, all of a sudden now they're viable fantasy options. Like, okay, now now they're good players. Travis Kelsey's actually like, okay, we're doubling actually, we're actually getting some real points here. He's actually helping our team out. So yeah, don't panic. Don't trade three first round picks for a guy who may still have a couple of seasons left. And then turn around and then maybe, maybe also don't turn around and trade him for one first round pick. I say, How do many, it. What, what was the time in between? How long were those trades apart? So the first Kelsey trade was, I think week three or four of last season. And the second Kelsey trade was shortly after last season ended. I think it was probably March. I think it was mid March. Okay. So it's not like you just turned around after he, he played for you this season. He made it, he made it for right. the rest of the season. And then you traded him out in the drive. And that yeah, was the yeah, Cooper I, Cup Cooper Cup injury that kind of unraveled all that? Uh, injury plus age uh, plus Stafford aging yeah. kind of drew that into account. And then same thing with Kelsey and Mixon. Like Mixon, his age, you would think he's kind of past his shelf life, but he's still kind of playing at a good level. Kelsey, who I did argue at that point was going to be elite uh, for a long time, but it was just kind of me wanting to – possibly kind of restart my team and kind of see what it would look like in a rebuild. You're pumping up his value? I definitely, I can say week three of the 2023 season, I regret trying to do a rebuild this quick. Mm. But, you know, shit happens. And you learn and you move on and we'll figure it out come 2032. I'll see you guys in 10 years. Do we need to do a Dynasty League 
owner power rankings. See who finishes think, out at the bottom. I think if we let's give the league a couple more weeks, kind of watch uh-huh. it, kind of watch it shape a little bit because we've got a couple. We've got I, I can know I know one team who on paper they look pretty bad, but they're kind of middle of the rankings right now, and it's the Utter mm. Tuggers. Uh, mm, they've yeah. got they have a very deep draft class for next year. They have a lot of rookies on their team this year. When you look at that team, you're like, oh, worst team in the league. They're going to finish tenth overall. They're three and one right now. So uh it's a it's a possibility we just got to let the league take shape a couple weeks week four or five we'll definitely know what it's kind of going to look like the rest of the year so who knows maybe a week five uh draws dynasty fantasy league rankings incoming we'll have to wait and see yeah to add on to that that team that everyone shits on the utter tuggers they have they're three and one to their detriment actually because they're trying to tank they have eight first round picks next year oh eight out of ten Yes. I mean, and, in terms of, hopefully he's got a lot of yeah. Luther Burden stock. We're going to find out. Malik It'll neighbors. Eight, eight first round picks. What is, what is he going to do? Cause you either got to really trade. Cause he's got a couple more picks after those first next year. Doesn't he? Does he have a couple of thirds and maybe a fourth? Uh, in there? Yeah. I think he maybe has a third or a fourth, but I mean, the issue is, is really going to be, how many players he's going to have to cut. And also, I mean, he's, he's, well, I mean, if you want a first round pick, you're going to have to go through him. So he can really charge mm-hmm. you whatever he wants, but yeah, how many teams are in your league? 10. Is eight of the 10 first round picks. Yeah. And the commissioner so, has a first round pick, which at this point in the season, if you were to make a conclusion, he might have the one Oh one and Matt might be stuck with the one Oh two through the one Oh nine. I was going to say, what are the odds that he has eight of the 10 picks and doesn't get one of Caleb Williams or Marvin Harrison Jr.? Those are just the only two. Or Shadur Sanders. We're throwing him in there. Or those are just the only two guys that he doesn't get. It's just the two transcendent generational fantasy guys in the draft. Somehow he ends up with three through 10, but not one and two. Would be all-time stuff from our our guy. What team is that? Do we want to shout him out? Is uh, that the otter otter tuggers? He, he doesn't deserve shout outs. No. He doesn't. Okay. He's the otter tuggers. No no X though. Uh he, he's he'll be a fine team. He gets crapped up from a lot, X. but yeah. One of the few guys actually banned from X. I know Elon said he was gonna come in and loosen up loosen up the rules, but he saw the utter tuggers and he was like, Nope. <laughs> Get out of here. Not not today, Utter Tuggers. Utter Tuggers is the only only team banned from banned from X. So there you go. You guys are the only dynasty league. In America, to have a member banned from X, pretty crazy. <laughs> the one and the only. It's all out there. You guys said you were going to go lift after this? Commission, you a big back squat guy? No. You know, no, I'm one of those guys who believes in no legs. Mm. I'm, That's the fourth that lesson. What can I say? No. No legs. Skip legs leg day. While, but, you know, today I'll be skipping leg day. It's a big bench day. Big it's arm bench day. day every day when you go to the gym. Bench day every day. Mix it up. Start with a shoulder press next time. Hey, I'll I'll keep that in mind. That's what that's that, that's I don't know. That's what that's what the industry says. You know, you go in, do chest once, and then maybe next time shoulder focus it the next time. Yeah. I'm with you. I never do that. I start with, start with bench every time. Yeah. I'm not I figured I won't listen to fitness. When do you have to start listening to the fitness industry? When you're like 38, 40? Is 40 just 40 the age? 35? When you're having a midlife crisis and you step on the scale and you're like, oh shit, maybe I should do something about it. So for three days you go to the gym and then 
And then Thursday night comes around and you want to have a barbecue for Thursday night football mm. and you eat five cheeseburgers and then it all just goes out the window. So, you know, you said 38, but this seems like you have experience. This seems like it's personal experience here. We don't, we don't have to talk about that. All right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you can tell, you can tell, you know, a young guy to stick to a routine and do all that stuff. But it's like, you know, just go, the, just go in the gym and do some stuff. You're young, you're out there, you're moving around. Like you're, you're going to be fine. And then, I feel like I feel like when you're like, okay, now I have to shift my focus to mobility training. Maybe that's the sign. Hmm. When like when flexibility becomes a becomes a becomes a preference. What how what is your pre pre lift like stretch? Is there any any pre lift warm up or you just go straight in and just throw it on and just start start lifting? You know, it's funny enough. I actually do stretch not very much, but I'll actually do bands. But enough. I don't know if you've listened to bands before, but. I'll do bands and then it's right into it. Uh, no, no stretching needed, really. No, I feel like if you do, if you do a couple sets of bands, you know, kind of like stretch yeah. or whatever, all the way around. That that is warming up. That's what I meant, right? Yeah, you know, get get yeah. the muscles moving a little bit. Bands are a good one, uh, and that just that uh, I didn't I didn't mention our commissioner is uh, is an ex college athlete, being ex, uh, a yes. pitcher a pitcher athlete. in college. The band the band work does kind of come naturally for baseball players. So yeah, it's a it's a good way to kind of loosen yourself up for a lift for sure dan, dan do we have to tell the story about the time you were the number one pitcher in the state oh we <laughs> want to talk about that nick did you see that did i ever tell you that i'm sure i, I don't know yeah the first week of the season my senior year i had the best era and the most amount of strikeouts i was number one in the state and i'm taking that to the grave All right, hey, the state. I, had, I mean you were write it on the tombstone number one in the state I was probably right there with you with the most strikeouts. I think we were. I think we were both top five that first week. Strikeouts came easy. What can I say? That that week was a good week, and then after that, we probably won three games the rest of the year. (laughs) Were you Were you playing like a bad team? No, we were just bad. Bad team. Just a good week. Oh, first week. First week was a kind of a mixture of wanting. It's like everybody's ready to play baseball again. They want to play at their high level. And we played probably the worst team in uh, in our state. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so. I was yep. it you guys just lost all your passion for baseball after one game? If you would have seen the guys on our team, if I told you that, you'd fucking believe it. Huh. Yep. So You were tapped out. It is not like, this isn't football. It's not really one week. It's one game, right? You can't even say one week. Huh. Out of a couple months. <laughs> out of a whole semester. That's tough. So you're what? You were you're both top five, huh? Top five pitchers in the state. We were we were top five that one week. If you like, it was like what year was that? Is there just a year where it's like in September in Iowa, the number the best athletes in the state were like Caden Proctor, Xavier <laughs> Wamka, and Ian Fatiport? Yeah. Dude, put me Ian put me on the list there. for for best week one Iowa high school athletes. It's I that list is perfect. It's Spot Keegan on. Murray, Caden Proctor, and Ian Fatiport. And Ian Fatiport. Put him on the put him on the list. Give me my fucking credit. The Iowa talent is uh it's I mean, sure. we're sneakily putting out guys. Could have gone pro if I didn't blow out my knee, you know. So I mean, what do you do? Mm. It happens. Should happen. Happens to the best of them. Chubb, Fatiport. Yeah, you can, what was you the... can compare us both. I think that's a perfect comparison. Nick Chubb and Ian Fatiport. Chubb, yeah. Chubb's both ways. Yep. Yep. Mitch, what was the what was the X? The Twitter? Yeah. Uh, yeah, for X, WW Tug Shop. <laughs> That's all you got to know. That'll do it. 
if you guys want to see a commissioner just fleece all of his friends and uh see the best trades in in the league you you it's can the go there commish i you know we don't get important people like this so this was this was crazy thank you for coming on hey thanks for having me it was a fun time i love the pod love the pod oh shout out yeah i'll hey i've been uh liking and reposting all fataport's uh shout outs for the pod mm. i'm a daily listener a frequent listener i'll say so love the we'll stuff it. keep it up we'll take it thank you sir thank you well thanks to nick thanks to the commish for coming on that was a lot of fun we, we got sidetracked before we were about to start doing the nfl stuff like i said at the top we got all the the rest of the panic stuff to get into we're gonna blind react uh panic teams for the nfl but we were talking about uh scorsese leo dicaprio and dan you're really excited for killers of the flower moon you've been seeing the trailers i am i saw the i saw the trailer for it i love uh i'm a big fan of scorsese's films uh in one of my classes right now i'm actually uh it's a u.s film history class i'm writing a director paper on martin scorsese so it just you got into the film history class. I, I am. I'm a big I'm a big movie guy. So uh, that class got full before I was able to. That, when I when I was going when I was going there, mm -hmm. that class got full before I was able to get in. Uh, shout out Phil Brown. I doubt you're watching this, but if you do, he, he's one of the best. He's one of the best professors at Kirkwood. Oh, uh, especially Phil. shout out especially Phil. yeah, especially when it comes to film. Like he knows what he's talking about. He makes the class fun. So yeah, I, I'm a big DiCaprio guy. I love all his movies. I uh, big fan of Scorsese as well. I'm excited for it to come out. You're writing the Scorsese paper by choice. You pick Scorsese. Yeah. So uh, there's a list of American directors in that class. And I was one of the first ones that got to the list and I saw his name and I, I, I didn't think twice. I was like, I want this guy. Hmm. Interesting. Cause Nolan is not an American director. No, he's a, he's, a he's a British director. Uh, other guys on the American list of note would have been uh, Spielberg. He's yeah. on there. Uh, then you've got older guys like. Uh, was there a Quentin Tarantino? Tarantino was on the list. Yeah, if you want to get into like the Francis Ford Coppola, I mean, you know, the uh, Godfather. Yep. And then Hitchcock as well, who's, who's okay. more in the early 1900s. Yeah, Spielberg. But, I think Spielberg, Spielberg, Scorsese, and Tarantino are kind of the top three. Those are yeah, kind of the Illuminati of of cinema directors, is what I would say for those those guys. They they don't really put out movies that people aren't interested in. So I feel like that's not fair for the for the older listener. That's not fair to Francis Ford Coppola, The Godfather, Apocalypse. Now you know I'm looking at the IMDb. Mm -hmm. This is you know one of the all time great directors here, but. I mean, Scorsese and Tarantino are making movies in our time and have made movies, you know, closer to when we're, you know, just in our, like, in our entertainment consuming generation. Because, like, not everybody goes back as far as they should right. necessarily. But, yeah, I'm excited for The Killers of the Flower Moon. And you said that, you said, you also said that somebody's got a Teddy Roosevelt movie in the works? Yeah, so... Is it Scorsese, uh, Scorsese and Leo? Uh, I know Scorsese for sure. There could be, uh, I don't know if there's any other producers of note, but yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio, he's the, he's going to be the main actor and he's going to, I think he's playing Theodore Roosevelt in that movie. So it's kind of going to be like a, like a biography come to life on the screen, which they were kind of like what they did with, uh, with Oppenheimer that just came out. Hopefully it's kind of something of that S cause I don't know if you saw Oppenheimer, but it was a great yeah. movie. It was it was, was kind of long, but it was good. It was. And I know Hollywood's been getting a lot of, you know, crap for, like, 
a lot. It's it's it and it has it has been a lot of like remakes and a lot of franchises and a lot of the quote unquote same stuff. But it does seem like now there is gonna there is like a strong like trickling out of these like pretty original because like Oppenheimer. There's never really been a movie about that. I know there's a Napoleon movie mm-hmm. that's coming out this year about you know another historical figure that there's really never been a movie done about. And Teddy Roosevelt's another one that's just yeah. like this crazy president awesome historical figure and we've never really seen a teddy roosevelt thing it'll be a first yeah and i think i think it kind of comes with the writer strike that's going on in hollywood right now mm. uh we're gonna be uh getting to a gap which is kind of starting about now where there's gonna be definitely a lot less movies like a lot less blockbusters that are coming out just due to the fact that uh i don't know the exact details of the writer strike but uh i know there's uh writers producers who are uh, and actors? There's an actor strike as well. Yeah. Uh, so you're just going to be seeing a lot of those stars, maybe not in as many movies as we've seen them in the past. So I think we're kind of going to get a bubble of uh, not a lot of films, but like you said, like the Roosevelt films and the new ones that are coming out. Hopefully, it can kind of keep us going through that. Yeah, I guess in theory, if Hollywood were to get back like going properly, the stuff that they want to do. You know, it seems like there's some original stuff that's in the works. And you can see that writer's strike stuff when you're watching the football games mm-hmm. on Sunday because you're watching the CBS games and they're they're promoting Yellowstone like it's this like brand oh new God. breakthrough I, thing. And it's like, no, Yellowstone's saw, done. I saw like a commercial every 10 minutes, I feel like, of Yellowstone. Every single time they were promoting it. And I was like, and it just makes me want to watch it less and less. I'm never, I was never interested oh. in the first place. And just to see it so often, it's just like, dude, get this out of my face. I know, but that's all they have right now. There's a writer's mm-hmm. strike. They have no they have no TV shows. I think the, the the big problem the networks might run into, especially with like the younger generation like us, is it might not necessarily matter. Like I don't think we're tuning turning on CBS at that time of the day. Anyways, but have you ever seen Draft Day? The other popular Kevin oh, Costner vehicle? I love that movie so much. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the more uh one of the more realistic movies when it comes to front offices in any sports, like there's a couple of like dramatic things that happen in there, but like the basis is pretty real when it comes to, especially drafting in the NFL. Uh, It's a perfect movie of when, uh, if you've got your guy and there's better guys in front of him, if you trust your guy, go get him. Uh, We book you. Can we book you April, middle of April next year? It'll be the 10th anniversary of draft day. Let's do it. Breakdown draft day. I'm, I'm down. so I down. Like, I love that movie so much. I'll, 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 I'll watch. I'll, I'll watch. I'll rewatch Draft Day for that. We, uh, before we actually went to the draft in April this year, uh, the guys Can in you my watch apartment, draft day? we sat down. We watched Draft Day the night before. Pre-game? The night before we went, we sat that's, down that's, and we watched it. That's that's a pretty proper. Uh, yeah. Well, proper Matthew, uh, Matthew, the owner of the HC Club Dynasty team, he'd never seen the movie before. Uh, and hmm. it was the day before we were talking about the draft. We was like, you know what? We're all going to sit down for two hours and we're going to watch this movie because it is a must watch. And Chadwick Boseman too. You get to watch anytime mm-hmm. you get to watch Chadwick Boseman. That's always a plus shout out. Good old but, uh, we have, <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, <laughs> we've got the NFL stuff. Like I said, we're going to be, so we've got, uh, Dan, I, I'm going to throw a blind power ranking at you here. So like we said, it's week two. And I know maybe maybe some of these teams again it's only week two but if you get if you get started off on the wrong foot I mean historically it doesn't necessarily go well I think only nine percent of teams that have started zero and two have 
ever made the playoffs. So, you know, you get off to the slow start. And as a fan base, I mean, the math says it's time to panic. But we've got five teams here to see, like, how panicked these fan bases actually should be. So the first... Do you want me to go one being, like, panic the most and five panic but maybe not yeah. as much yeah okay. yeah yeah. one will okay. be one will be the one will be on red alert don't you if you're a fan of, and your team ends up at one we apologize but i'm ready somebody's somebody's got to be there not number one but i guess the first option that you have for your blind react uh to really to panic our rankings at zero and two and i guess you could say a familiar spot but the cincinnati Bengals, joe burrow Last year, week one, week two, at a quarterback rating of 61 and then 89. This this week, week one, week two, a quarterback rating of 52 and 85. And they're 0-2 to start last season, 0-2 to start this season. Is this just what they do? Or should the Bengals fans be actually panicked? I mean, when it comes to Burrow as a QB in Cincinnati, they're kind of familiar with this spot earlier in the season. Mm. They've they've been known to kind of have these slow starts. So on a scale one to five, I'd probably put the Bengals at a four. Okay. Uh, so second to last, just because they are familiar with being in this spot uh, and with a tougher opponent in the Ravens, I would argue than the Browns, they did kind of bounce back. They finally scored their first touchdown this season. Uh, only ended up losing this game by three. It was pretty close all the way through. So uh, yeah, I'd probably put them at a four. I think the Bengals, they're going to figure it out. I think they're definitely going to figure it out. Joe Burrow is going to be going to get back to the guy who's worth being paid the highest QB in the NFL. So he had the struggling starts, like I said, uh, week one and week two. And then the next 13 games, he completed 70% of his passes, his quarterback mm-hmm. rating 107, and his inter- interception percentage was basically half a percent. So, I mean, again, you could look at this and go – you know, this this is this is familiar territory. It's where the Bengals have been before, but I don't know. It just it doesn't seem like their offense just I know it struggled last year, but did it just was it like shut down the way it is? I mean, they like you said, they scored their first offensive touchdown, but they had a punt return before they had an offensive touchdown, not in that game. That was on the season. They only had three points in the Browns game last week. So they got a punt return touchdown before they got an offensive touchdown this year. And they only have two offensive touchdowns to two games tied with for the fewest in the league with the Texans and the Panthers who both have rookie QBs. And I don't, again, familiar territory for Joe Burrow, but can, can they go Owen two a second year and be like back in the playoffs when, you know, the math says that. Just historically, it's really hard to do. It's hard to get. It's hard to do it after that slow start. Um, I think I think they definitely have a chance to bring it back. Uh, I will say, shout out Charlie Jones, uh, being an Iowa fan. I know he yeah. did. He did leave us for Purdue his senior year, but uh, to see an Iowa his, guy make that his big best impact. moments were at Iowa, right? Uh, like I think he, his peak was at Iowa. I think uh, when it came to like the star-studded plays that he would make, he definitely peaked at Iowa. But yeah. I would say he's probably more efficient in Purdue just because of the target share that he got. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think definitely the Bengals can bring it back. Uh, I still see them as a playoff team, uh, with them starting 0 and 2, it might be a little bit more difficult to try to take that division back, especially with how, uh, 
with how hard those divisional games can be. Any, I would take any of those four teams in those divisional games just because of how big those rivalries are. Uh, like you look at the Steelers uh, beating the Browns, uh, it would have been last night. Uh, I had the Browns yeah. winning that game until, unfortunately, Nick Chubb. He had to leave with injury. Mm. But, uh, yeah, uh, when those divisional games happen, any of those teams can win. So it's going to be tough coming back from an 0-2. But I, I definitely see them as definitely one of the higher wild card teams if they don't win the division. I was definitely wrong about Charlie Jones. So he actually – Charlie Jones actually started at Buffalo as a freshman and then ends up at Iowa only two touches in 2020. 2021 has 28 touches for 330 yards from scrimmage and then transfers to Purdue and has 112 touches, mm-hmm. 1,300 yards from scrimmage. So, I still yeah, – I mean, yeah. Definitely was- better at Purdue. He was he was more efficient at Purdue. He had a couple. He had, like I don't think he had as many of those like wow this guy's really good at football moments at Purdue than he did at Iowa. Like because like you mm-hmm. said he didn't see the ball a lot as much as he did at Purdue at Iowa, but when he did he made those plays. So I think he kind of he had more of those like power plays with Iowa. I would argue. Yeah, he had three touchdowns on twenty eight touches. You know, twelve touchdowns on one hundred and twelve touches at Purdue, but. The Bengals, so their schedule does get a little bit easier here. You know, like you said, the divisional opponents to start the season is a really tough way to do it. And they have their next four games are Rams at Titans, at Cardinals, Seahawks, and then they have their bye week. And then the the schedule does get a lot tougher down the back half of the season. But I mean, at least they do have a chance to, you know, rebound. And the Rams, you know, maybe they're feisty. They've been feisty the last couple of weeks, but... We would assume, you know, going, you know, two weeks ago, I would have assumed the Bengals were by far the better team going into that game. So, but I mean, you know, Joe Burrow did it last year. Like we said, did the 0-2 start and then they bounce back, make the playoffs. They're in the conference championship game, but there's only one other quarterback that's ever done that two times. The only guy that's ever done it is Drew Bledsoe. Did it in 94 and 96 for the Patriots. And then the 2001 Pats made the playoffs, but Drew Bledsoe was the QB that started 0-2, and then Brady just came in and just cleaned up and finished the rest of the season. Pats won the Super Bowl that year, so I don't know if you technically give him credit. I mean, you can give him credit for the 0-2 start. I don't know if you can give him credit for the playoff run after that necessarily, but uh, it would be, I mean, it would be like really, like, can Joe Burrow be the second guy ever in NFL history to be, you know, a team starts 0-2 and makes the playoffs. And, you know, there was a season there in between that Bledsoe season. So to do it for back-to-back years, it's, I, I would still believe you. And it's not even Burrow too. Like the defense as well mm-hmm. was to start last year. Hendrickson only had two pressures in the first two games and then averaged three pressures a game the next 10 games and starts the season the same same way. Like exactly yeah. like Jobo, two pressures through two games. So I, you know, they could bounce back. Like it's all right there. And I still believe in the team, but Joe, just that that like historical factor is weighing in my mind, and I I can't get it out. And if the the Ravens already have a divisional win against them, Browns already have a divisional win against them. Like that stuff matters in tiebreakers. Mm-hmm. And I did like the Ravens going into the year, so maybe I just should have liked them more than the Bengals. But you know, I'm not I'm not giving up on them as a playoff team. But I think that's a big win for the Ravens week one and i do think that they definitely are now in control of that division 
I agree. And uh, like a team like the Ravens, who after week one, uh, losing their running back the rest of the year in J.K. Dobbins. Granted, he's only played, I think it's nine games in the last three years due to injury. But yeah. to be able to yeah. come back and get a divisional win that early in the season against a team who they're probably going to be competing for that top spot at the end of the year is definitely a, a strong strong way to start the season. Yeah, I mean, they don't have Dobbins, but they, like you said, they've never really had Dobbins. So right. for me, I don't know if that affects how I think about the Ravens. And more importantly, like Lamar is healthy. And TJ Watt is also healthy. So the division just all around him, the Bengals got better this year. The Browns defense, I mean, we saw it in game in game one against the Bengals. It was better. So not giving up yet. I, I would agree with you. I think the bottom half of the panic rankings is the way to go. But again, the AFC is tough. And I know we were talking about Jamar Chase a little bit with Nick, but T Higgins does, he doesn't only lead this team in the percent of air yards. But T. Higgins right now leads the league in like team percentage of air yards. Is this the season where T. Higgins just breaks out? He definitely, the bigger he definitely year. had that bounce back game after week one. He uh, didn't see the ball a single time. Uh, so this game, eight receptions, 89 yards, ended up with two touchdowns. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he'll necessarily have a better stat season than Jamar Chase, just because we know what Jamar Chase is capable of. And that connection he already has with Burrow is real. But uh, T. Higgins, he he definitely has solidified himself as one of the better uh, wide receiver twos and offenses in the league. Uh, He's one of the three players that I actually consider a wide receiver one when it comes to fantasy as a wide receiver two on an offense. Uh, The other two being Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, just because Mm. of their fantasy output. But uh, he'll definitely – uh, eh, he might be after this year, but going into this year, I wouldn't put him up there. He's yet. not there yet. Not as a wide receiver one. Definitely a good wide receiver two play. I actually uh, am starting him this coming week. I started him this last week too, mm. but I think Higgins is going to have, he's, he's already like, he's proven to be a good wide receiver too. He's had good years in the past. I think he's going to keep that up. I don't necessarily think this is going to be the year where he just explodes as a wide receiver one. Uh, like I said, just because of Jamar Chase in that offense. But uh, he's definitely somebody to consider up there. Would you say Devontae Smith as well? Yeah, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. So of those three, which one is more likely to have more than the number one guy? I think uh, when it comes to those three, I would put uh, Devontae Smith at the top of that mm, list. I think I agree just, with you. Just because we know what A.J. Brown's capable of, and no matter what defenses are going to plan around him being the wide receiver one and the number one pass catcher on that offense. Mm. And for most defenses in the league this year, their cornerback depth is not great. Like as a Broncos fan, I know our quarterback too is just, is just terrible. And mm-hmm. for most other defenses, uh, they don't have as much depth this year. So wide receiver twos are definitely going to be the guys this year you want to look out for. And Devontae Smith, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a better season than A.J. Brown when it comes to Week 18. I'm a fan of how they used A.J. Brown through the first two games as well. It's uh, they Too much short stuff. He's a big guy. Mm-hmm. Get him down the field. Yeah. Second team to panic or to not panic. At 0-2 as well, in the AFC, the AFC West, it's the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, you know, your four spots already taken. Similar position as the Bengals. Young quarterback. Friendly team. How panicked should Chargers fans be? I might regret this as I figure out what teams are coming down the list, but I'm going to put them at number two. Just because Mm. uh, they've got a defense on paper who looks like they're going to finish a top 10 defense in the league. 
And then you go out there on the field and you watch these games and their defense just doesn't really play a part into it. Like they've had, they had a shootout week one against the dolphins with pretty much no defense at all. That game, this game was a little bit better, uh, 27 to 24. They ended up losing an OT against the Titans, but with an offense like the Titans who they do have Derek Henry, who's one of the best running backs in the league, but a guy like Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball, their best wide receiver option is Deandre Hopkins with nobody really behind them. It's hard to believe that a chargers defense could really let this team beat them. And they did. Uh, it's just that defense not really coming out to play. So I, I'm going to put them at a number two. I expect their offense to be able to keep up with teams. But if their defense can't get on the field and make a play, I don't see a lot coming for this team. Yeah, the defense has actually given up the most yards to wide receivers in the league right now. And their defensive line is tied for 30th, 30th in pressure rate. They're actually tied for 30th right now with the Bengals. But they're fifth in blitz rate. So, you know, they're sending pressure all the time, but they're not getting pressure. Khalil Mack on the season through two games, zero pressure, zero hurries, zero sacks. I know Joey Bosa had two sacks in the last game, but, you know, I don't want to say the only two times he got pressure in that game, but statistically he only had two pressures on two sacks. And they've only only lost back-to-back games three times in the last three seasons with Herbert, but is there, is there any weird, like, does this, is there any weird potential that this goes sideways at all? Because I feel like Staley is like, as a coach, I feel like, you know, they bring in Kellen Moore to fix the offense, but I feel like that's also to, you know, put pressure on Staley as well. Kellen Moore is a head coaching candidate. There's some young stars there in LA, but the chargers aren't, you know, they don't really feel like they're part of LA at all. So I don't, you know, does that even being, does that location even play a factor? I don't know. Basically, can the Colts get Derwin James? Like, do you think the Colts are going to be able to trade for Derwin James at this seat? Like, could the Chargers be sellers of their top players? I don't, I don't necessarily know if they'll sell their top guys. Uh, It's just kind of like the depth that fills in around them isn't really making plays, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And even if you do look at those top names, like you said, and Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack, you're wondering how the hell they're not getting enough pressure off the edge if they're fifth in blitz rate in the NFL. Uh, I mean, it is only after two weeks, the numbers could change. But uh, when you look at those guys, you're, you're always wondering how they're not getting to the quarterback more often. And then, like you said, with Brandon Staley, uh, I definitely think he's on the hot seat this year. If this team does not make the playoffs, I don't see him having a job next season. Do you think he makes it through this season? Uh, if, if they're going to continue at the pace they're at with the defense, I could definitely see a coaching change later in the year, kind of like what the Broncos did with Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, I think that was around week 14 when they ended up making that switch. Okay, uh, so we have a ways to go. Yeah, so I, I think they, I think the Chargers can kind of bring themselves back into competing, but definitely for sure, if they aren't a playoff team, I'd be very surprised if Staley was still their head coach. You think if the Chargers interviewed Staley and Kellen Moore, like both for the vacancy, they would hire Staley? I think they I think they'd hire Kellen Moore at this rate if they hired him both for the vacancy. Kellen Moore has a better resume when it comes to mm. being able to coach teams, uh being a good uh OC. Uh and you look at Staley in the last couple seasons, the reasons they've lost those close games is just because of coaching. Straight up just because of coaching. Uh bad time management uh is a main thing. And then uh yeah, just an overall uh lack of making good decisions when it comes to uh play calling, which I'm pretty sure it was in his hands before Kellen Moore got there. Hmm. 
Uh, so, yeah, just not a good look, and I don't think he'll be uh, at the end of this season. Herbert might have, like, his most efficient season this season, but the defense, the offensive line, uh, it may not matter. An NFC team for your third option, and it's actually the team that they're going to be playing this week. So somebody's going to get their first win, but at 0-2, Minnesota Vikings, the former, or I guess the reigning NFC North champions, where do the Vikings fall in the panic power rankings? I was kind of, I was kind of thinking you were going to bring up this team and this might kind of leave me at a crutch for the rest of my lineup, but I was thinking about putting them right in the middle, right there at that three spot. Mm. Uh, kind of the same thing with the chargers. Uh, their defense is uh, making these games a shootout, making their offense do more than they have to. Uh, I think their offense this year is going to be fine with Kirk cousins. He's, he's definitely one of the older quarterbacks, but you've got guys like Justin Jefferson, who's the best wide receiver in the NFL and a young guy like Jordan Addison, who, has shown that he can go and make deep ball plays on the football. Mm -hmm. uh, so I definitely think that uh, their offense will be fine, but if their defense can't kind of step up and make plays, especially in their secondary, uh, it's going to be something to watch out for, especially in that NFC North where the competition, I would say, got a lot stronger this season with Jordan Love coming out to play. Uh, the Lions got better in the draft and in the offseason, uh, but then there's the Bears, but the Bears never really do anything anyway. But, uh, yeah, I'd say right in the middle, right at that three spot. Their offense is going to keep up, but their defense got to do something. It's funny because, like, when Addison went went to USC for his senior year, his numbers in college actually went down. You know, he's the Blitnikoff Award winner as a junior or a sophomore. You know, a Blitnikoff Award winner transfers. His numbers go down, but it's kind of just the way they were using him. And some of the deep shot stuff they're doing with them and Caleb Williams. And they also just, you know, they don't always need to go all out on that kind of stuff all game. USC's wiping teams off the floor. But they're using him in Minnesota, like, very similarly to the way they're using him at USC more than they're, like, more so than they're using him at Pittsburgh. And it's like, okay, if he's doing that across from Justin Jefferson, he's actually just going to be amazing at it. So, you know, I continue to support Jordan Addison, but... There was a couple of corners on the board, you know, Deontay Banks and stuff. Who knows with uh, with that pick. But it definitely is going to power their offense. Do you think they should keep Kurt Cousins for the full season? Because, you know, again, it's just – it's looking ahead a little bit, but it's the 0-2 start. It's the mathematics. And it's also just the Kurt Cousins – he's on an expiring contract. And if this was the NBA – and a team starts to say, hey, we're going sideways. Just in terms of, like, talent, like, we might need to start heading for, you know, some sort of mini rebuild anyways. Like, in the NBA, Kirk Cousins is the prime type of guy to get moved at the deadline, tank. You know, they go, oh, we love Shador Saunders. We're going to try to get Shador Saunders. Like, what? Like I don't know. Is there any could, – could the NFL learn something here from Kirk Cousins, or do you think just – keep him around for the full season and write it out. Uh, for me, when it comes to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings, I think uh, whenever he decides to retire or if they decide to not uh, extend him for the next couple of seasons, I don't think it's going to be a guy that they already have on their roster. I'm not even sure who on their depth chart is in that quarterback room. No, they don't have him right now. Yeah. So they're going to have to, they're definitely going to have to go out and find somebody if they decide not to resign him. Or, I mean, he's getting to the point if he decides to retire. Um, but towards the end of the season, it just depends on what kind of competing standpoint they're in. 
starting 0-2, I still see this team towards the top of the NFC North. Uh, I still think they're going to compete for a playoff spot. I still think – I still have them as a division winner in the NFC North. Uh, so we'll see. Over the I think Lions that, and the Packers? I do, I do have them over the Lions. I didn't really have high hopes for the Packers after seeing them play these couple games. They're definitely a little bit higher in my rankings. My preseason rankings, I had Vikings, Lions – uh bears and then packers i've now realized mm. that the bears are always going to be bad so i'm just yeah. going to start putting them at four no matter what huh. uh uh but i think it's definitely going to be a lions versus vikings fight for that division with the packers just falling short behind them when you look at the packers you know i mean that game is very close against atlanta but maybe beating up on the bears week one is not like most impressive thing that they've done i don't know i think uh this might be a, a down year for the Vikings. And we think the quarterback draft class is deep this year. But back to the AFC for this team. You've only got the prime positions left. One and five. The one spot and the five spot. So we've got prime player here, Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Also at 0-2 in the AFC. Now, is it maybe the Vikings thing gets a little easier because they're in the NFC, but I think there's actually more 0-2 teams in the AFC right now, and the New England Patriots are one of them. The AFC East is one of the, or at least shaping up to be one of the toughest divisions in football. Are the Patriots just falling victim to that? Um, If I... So I only do have those primetime positions available. Uh, I think... I think I have an idea with the team you're going to throw me next and I feel mm. comfortable with them being at the one spot. So I'm going to put the Patriots at five. Okay. Uh, I, uh, before week one, I would have probably ranked them higher uh, just because of that division, how strong that division was. Now that Aaron Rodgers is going to miss that full season and the jets are going to ride with Russell Wilson the rest of the year. I do think they have a better shot. At, or Yeah. Zach Wilson. Same thing. Yeah. Might they're as both, well be. They're both bad. Uh, yeah, I definitely think the they wouldn't even need be... to mess the jersey. No, same jersey, same exact jersey. But uh, did Russ I... slim down enough this year to get into the Zach Wilson jersey? Eh, probably not. Probably not. He's still kind of, he's not big, but he's he's got a little chunk. No, it's all muscle. It's all muscle. Yeah, it's all muscle. Uh, but yeah, back to the Patriots. I I feel comfortable putting him at the five spot. I think Bill Belichick is, if not the best NFL coach in the history, he's definitely up there. He, he he knows what he's doing. He knows what he can do to bring this team back into contention. Their defense is obviously going to keep them in games. Uh, it just depends on how coachable Mac, jo- or coachable Mac Jones is going to be throughout the rest of the year, if he can really shape that passing game to what he wants it to look like. And then they've got a couple guys in that receiving group, like Kendrick Bourne and Demario Douglas, who really have a shot at becoming uh, hmm. well-known names in the NFL. You like the rookie. Receivers. I do. I do like Demario Douglas. They've been using them a good amount. Kendrick Bourne, obviously, week one had that breakout game. I think it was eight receptions, two touchdowns. Uh, and then uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, if he's like your your wide receiver three pass catcher on that offense after two weeks, I feel pretty comfortable. I still think that he's got a good amount of game left into him. Uh, they've got a young running back in Ramondre Stevenson who's shown some uh, good progress. And then they went out and got their self a goal line back in Zeke, who's who's been declining, but if you want to give him 10 carries a game and kind of make him that goal line back, I, I see some success in that. And uh, Blocker? Put, uh, maybe as a blocker, you want to put him in there at fullback. Uh, he is kind of bulked up a little bit now. And then – Pass uh, protection. 
just yeah and then with bill belichick he's been known to use multiple running backs i i don't see a lot of worry coming through that right now they are in a tough division with uh the bills who are one of the better teams in the nfl uh the dolphins have one of the best uh electrifying offenses in the nfl right now uh i don't see the jets as a big problem now with zach wilson uh, their defense is going to be able to try to keep them in games, but I just don't think that passing game is really going to do a whole lot for them. I don't see their points per game being that high this season because of that. I hope I'm proved wrong because of that hard knocks. Everybody just, everybody just kind of yeah, loves the Jets in. now. I, I wanted, I did buy in. I bought into Aaron Rodgers, and then four plays into the season, all all those hopes and dreams. So I'm sure for most of America, just kind of sat down a little bit. Does the hard knocks does that sway you emotionally? Does that get does that get you? Does that influence your opinions? It kind of kind of did the same thing for me, like Dion going to Colorado, like you like that media, oh. like that me, media presence that you see, like on Hard Knocks social media. You go on you scroll on X, you see these post game interviews. Uh, you see how what kind of head coach Robert Sala is with his players. You see Aaron Rodgers being able to come mm. in there, like with Hard Knocks that first episode. They, are, you are buying it. That that whole first episode of Hard Knocks was just they were trying to build Aaron Rodgers into a likable character for America to really to really buy into. So I did buy in and then seeing them seeing him get hurt that first drive of the season really just kind of killed that for me because I felt like he was the piece on that offense and on that team that kind of brought the the whole buy in together for everybody. Did you watch quarterback on Netflix at all? Uh, I've watched the first couple episodes. I keep trying to get into it and then I forget, but uh, I did see the main because the whole first, most of the first episode is based off Kirk Cousins family. I'm pretty sure. Mm. So I did, I did like that aspect. And then I, uh, I know I paused it kind of in the middle of the Mahomes part of that, Yeah. but I, I do need to get back to that and try to finish that out before season two comes out. As I say, do we need Aaron Rodgers on season two, get the rehab? Uh, maybe the behind the scenes, maybe, maybe behind the scenes. I don't know. I feel like they kind of did that with Mariota already. Cause I know more of the later half of that, uh, of quarterback is, is him, uh, nursing that injury. So maybe they'll, they'll try to stick to guys who are going to, who they think are going to be on the field more often. Maybe a Joe mm. Burrow. I think Joe Burrow on the show would be really interesting. I agree, um, but I think he's already turned it down. Right. And then uh, and I think two has already turned it down. I think Tua's turned it down. I think Justin Herbert turned it down. We already know Herbert. He's not, he's not a good social media guy anyway, but he's a good quarterback. Oh, I got one. I got one. Anthony Richardson. That would be good. I think that would be good. I mean, now that he's he's still in the concussion protocol, right? Is he going to be out week three? Mm-hmm. Do you know? Um, as of right now, I don't. I can double check, but okay. Ian Fatiport says. Aaron Rodgers is Marcus Mariota. That is the quote. Okay. Yeah. He's just still, he's still in, he's just still in protocol right now. Protocol. So I think, like I said, I, it is only Tuesday. So right. what, what are you asking me for, Ian? Get on the phone. Hey, you're out. the Colts guy. I know I got all you have the, the sources. You've, you've got the Colts. I got everyone else. I feel like that's fair. That's <laughs> true. They are my team. I should be uh, locked in. But the problem, so I do agree. Like the Patriots, I think, are actually a little bit better than I thought they were going to be. But they did just lose to two teams that we think are contending teams. So I agree that maybe like playoff panic shouldn't set in yet, but I don't think that this team is like a contending team because I mean, they just proved that. I mean, they just got beat by two teams that we both think are like, I, 
The Eagles, I think, are in Super Bowl contention. The Dolphins are in Super Bowl contention. Patriots just lost to both of them. So they do actually have the Jets this week. And mm-hmm. I think that'll be a good test game because I think the Cowboys, that's just too much to ask. Like, you you got the, the you get, you got the win against the Bills. Zach Wilson, you know, came in. Josh Allen just, you know, he, he was basically the best player for the Jets in that game. And they figured it out. And the Cowboys, it, it, it just wasn't going to happen. But, you know, the defense against the Patriots, how much is the Jets' defense worth in a, in a game, just on the field? Is it more than a field goal? Less than a field goal? Is it three points, four points? Um, I would Get a pick six? I don't know a if fumble? they'll... I think they'll, they'll definitely hold them to a, a couple field goals that game, for sure. Uh, I, I just mean, think... like, how much do you think, like, the Jets' defense like it could swing the score of a game, like just to, in general, do you think three points worth four points maybe worth? If, maybe a field goal. I mean, a field goal worth field goal? field goal, maybe four, probably around three or four points. I would say like a I touchdown every couple of weeks. Maybe. Yeah. Every so often. A touchdown. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the Patriots will be a good gauge to see. I don't want to say how bad the Zach Wilson thing will be, but uh, those are both two teams that are going to be, battling out behind the Bills and the Dolphins. The last team and the number one team in your panic power rankings, who did you think it was going to be? What was your guess? Um, I, I kind of had a bias guess going. I thought you were going to throw the Broncos at me. Oh, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. Okay. I was going to try I, I to bet I can. I bet I can justify this being a number one. I, I actually think, I, I think you can. Big market. I think maybe in terms of quantity, maybe the most people panicking, the New York Giants. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I would have put this team at at probably two, if not one. Okay. Uh, well, you look at last season; they made such a big push towards the playoffs last year, especially in the later half. You look at guys like Saquon Barkley, who's now possibly out with an injury. You look at Daniel Jones, who was just absolutely horrible in that first game. You know their offensive line's not going to be able to hold their blocks. They went out and drafted guys like Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal just for that purpose, and they're still not doing their jobs. Uh, their best defensive secondary, Xavier McKinney, just played, I would say he played like shit against the Cowboys. Uh, and then he didn't he didn't look any better uh, last week against the Cardinals, especially in that first half. He uh, That entire defense made Joshua Dobbs look like a top-five quarterback in the NFL, which I would have never thought I would have said. So them being the I number I think he one, only had like six incompletions on the day. Yeah, in that entire first half, he had – I think he had a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown in that first half alone. <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they made the Cardinals look like a competing team, and I didn't think that would ever happen this season. I thought the Cardinals would lose by 30 points every single game. Granted, they did bring it in the second half. They ended up winning that game. I think it was 31-28. to 28. But at what cost? You look at Saquon Barkley in that last minute of the game who ended up getting hurt. Uh, you've got a wide receiver core who – it just isn't finished. You're it's looking like the most electric guy in that and that core is Jalen Hyatt. And when you've got guys who have been in that offense, like Darius Slayton, you've got uh you've got Isaiah Hodgins who was in there last year. Uh and then with the addition of Darren Waller, who's just when he's healthy, he's been a top five tight end in the league who hasn't really I don't know if he's done really enough to kind of sway that uh, that trade in the right direction. I think they definitely got good value for him. I know it was a later round pick that they ended up trading. Is that a second? I don't for think Darren it was Waller. It was it was quite. Oh, did late. they get him? Did they did they get him on a discount? Yeah, they got him pretty good discount. It was 
Um, I got it right. Oh, here. Maybe I paid because they paid him. He wanted to get paid like a receiver, and he did get you know seventeen mil. Yeah, so they sent a third round into the trade. They sent a third round pick as the number one hundred overall, mm-hmm. as of right now, to the Raiders. Which I feel like that's a I feel like that's a good discount when it comes for somebody who, uh, when he's on the field, is good. The only problem with him is he just needs to be on the field for that to happen. And I don't think he's really done enough in the first two games this season to where you could say that that uh, to trade for a tight end would have been worth it. Like you do have a guy like Daniel Bellinger behind him who's not as reliable. He had some moments last year where that's just kind of because that just happens with every player on that team. When you're throwing your tight end on the ball, it's bound to happen at some point. But I would definitely be worrying for this offense. If they had to make a 20-something point comeback against the worst team in the league, uh, you can only imagine what the rest of their season is going to look like. So the 100 pick ended up being Trey Tucker in this last draft. Some interesting guys were left on the board. Kelly Ringo. Would you do Kelly Ringo for Darren Waller straight up? I mean, probably. Keely, Keely Ringo? Keely Ringo. I mean, I'm not crazy. You're probably doing that every time. But I guess that, that, that. Oh, Puka Nakua in the fifth round? Would have been a You nice doing Puka for Waller? Eh, I mean, with the hype. And it's close. It just depends on. I feel like he's getting a lot of receptions right now just because Cup is out. Like he's got. And he's not 17 mil a year. He's got 20 receptions in his first two uh, first two games. Yeah, and then not 17 a mil. That's a pretty good pay cut for somebody who has shown in his film that he can play football. So I don't know if I would I don't know if I would do that yet. Uh, but I don't know. I'm definitely worrying for the Giants so far. I've got a couple friends who are Giants fans. I think they'd agree with me on the same thing. It's not looking good after two weeks, especially with probably your best player on your team is a possibility of missing some time probably at max a week, if I had to guess. They even said that he's a fast healer. There might even be a chance where he plays this Thursday. So did you see the re- did you see the report where Rodgers is eyeing a playoff return? Yes, I did. And uh, because he's so, got some quote unquote innovative new fast healing process. I don't know, I guess I don't want to misquote it, but it was something no, like that, that. That's correct. So they uh I thought it was bullshit when I first heard it. Like I thought, because uh, they said innovative surgery technique. But when you kind of go in there and look at it, so they what they did is they put a brace, an internal brace on his Achilles. So when you do that surgery, you you have to go in, you have to grab the Achilles, pull it back down, uh, connect it back mm. to your tendon and kind of put a screw in there. This time they went ahead, pulled that back down. They put that screw in and then they put a brace on it, which supposed to uh, it's supposed to uh it's supposed to heal faster it's supposed to have a faster healing time uh because when you look at uh achilles injuries i'm pretty sure it's six to eight months oh uh, it's just a rod time ian definitely having definitely coming through with the sources yeah the quote is rogers underwent an innovative new procedure that was created to speed up the traditional rehab process I, I don't I don't know. Maybe did I just did I just profile Rogers because innovative in Rogers sounds a little bit more a little bit more psychedelic than like yeah, a rod in your leg. He might be getting into the plants when he starts talking about that. But then that's what I thought too. And then I went, I I'm in one of I'm in a sports psych class and we started talking about it. So I kind of tried to Holy find cow, a couple you got all the best classes. It. Dude, I only I only set myself up for classes that I know I'm gonna pay attention in because if I don't, I'm not gonna do anything. 
But uh, we were talking about it, so I tried to find the report on it, and I found that, uh, yeah, it's supposed to be 6 to 12 months for a typical Achilles tendon surgery when it's when it's fully torn and you have to do all the physical therapy for it. But with this, they're, I think they're looking at three to four months, which would put him hmm. – which would put him right at the at the last two weeks of the season going into the playoffs. But the only problem is you have to have Zach Wilson take that team to the playoffs before that can even happen. And I just – I don't like the odds of that. Or Jacoby Brissett. Uh, lastly, or- with the Giants, something that we'll be tracking this year, the battle of the year two pass rushers from last year's – last year's class. Yeah. Hutchinson, I think, is, you know, number one uh, – after last season, I think he's still number one. I would have had Thibodeau two, Trayvon Walker three. I guess it's mainly those three guys that we're tracking because those were the top guys. Those are the guys that are interesting. But I don't know. I think to start the season, I might kind of be flipping it. Walker over Thibodeau. I haven't really I, – I do like Hutchinson as the one. I've got a lot of stock in him. I haven't really uh, watched a lot of Trayvon Walker, and I think that kind of came with uh, – for him being the number one pick to me was just outrageous. So I, I, I already thought that was a stupid pick and I didn't really care enough to try and like watch the film on him. But uh, with Thibodeau, he had, he had a couple of good moments last season, but uh, early this season, their defense just isn't getting pressure on anybody. It's a thing. So that's kind of, yeah, I agree with you. I'll take that into mm-hmm. account. I, I mean, with not having a lot of stock in Trayvon Walker, but also watching what Thibodeau has done on the Giants defense and how little pressure they've got in, I could agree with that. It's more of just like, I want to see a little bit more from Thibodeau to start the season. Right. Dexter Lawrence is like the one of all of the linemen, both sides. Dexter Lawrence is actually playing well. Andrew Thomas was hurt too. So, you know, take that into account. And, but Neil, like Lawrence is good, but Thibodeau and, and Walker, he does seem to be a little bit better. I know like if you have Aiden Hutchinson and Josh Allen on your defensive line, you're like, holy cow, this is amazing. (laughs) And that's probably the way it should have been. But I mean, the seven whatever foot wingspan, you see him like reach out and like jab an offensive lineman. And it was Juwan Taylor for the Chiefs, but he did get him a couple times. I can see, I can, I can see what they were seeing. Now, will he be better than Hutch? I don't know. But will it be like, will it be? I think that the crazy thing to me would be us looking back at that pick and be like, that wasn't insane. Cause at the time it was like, holy cow, like, you know, they could have, and not that that doesn't, I don't want to sound like, you know, anti-Trivon Walker again. I think he's good, but mm. it just, it was, it was, it was unexpected in the moment. And for them to be like, for Jacksonville to be like, kind of right about this wild thing would just like, I, it would just be, it would be, it'd be weird. It'd be funny. Mm-hmm. So Trayvon Walker over Kevon Thibodeau, but you're uh, blind too early to panic power rankings. At number five, you have the Patriots. Don't worry. It's still okay. Still doing okay. At number four, the Bengals. Would you flip those around if you were just ranking normal? Honestly, no. I think I'd probably keep those okay. the same. Okay. Bengals at four. Vikings at three. Chargers at two. Maybe Brandon Staley, if we just isolated him, he'd be a little bit higher. Things get nervous over there. San Diego, or not San Diego, Los Angeles. Oh, and two. And then number one, Reigning coach of the year, big payday for the quarterback, the New York football giants. It's time to panic. And I can't believe, like, I kind of like this team going into the year. I was like, and the lines are the main thing. I was like, the lines are going to be good. They're going to be able to block for Daniel Jones. They're going to be able to rush the passer. And 
Daniel Jones and Dable's offense is kind of efficient, but he had five picks last year and he's already at three. So feels like we're back to the same old with Daniel Jones. I don't know. If I had to, I don't know if I, if I knew all the teams going into re-ranking, I don't know if I rank it differently. I kind of, I kind of like my blind mm. react. I think uh, the only, the only talking point would be probably the Patriots and Bengals, maybe switching that up, but I like my top three. I think my top three is pretty solid and it could be a little bit of AFC West bias for the Chargers mm. being above the Vikings, but uh, I just don't, I, I don't see their defense doing as much as the Vikings defense could do going later into this season. Would you put the Broncos over the Giants? Would you put the Broncos number one on this list? I would have put the Broncos number one. That's mm. kind of who I thought I was going to get. Uh, is just, it more? De- is it more depressing that it feels like Russell Wilson's actually a little bit better this year? I know. Uh, go, the first week he was in the first half. I think he was. He didn't throw the ball very often, but his first couple drives he went seven for eight. Uh, had a good chunk of yards. No touchdowns right away. But uh, you look at week two, we went up 21 to three against the commanders. He looked, he looked great. He was throwing the ball deep. He was making plays. He would get out of the pocket. And then in the second half, every, everything just kind of fell apart. Our defense was kind of playing a little bit more relaxed. Uh, our offense couldn't really put any points on the board towards the end. And it was just kind of a letdown watching them. I, I, I'm panicking as a Broncos fan. And I'm sure other people, when they look at the Broncos from the outside in, they're panicking too. Did we find our second quarterback for the season two? I mean, if Anthony Richardson is perfect, Russell Wilson is perfect in like, you know, the opposite way. If if I'm looking at quarterbacks who I wouldn't know already turned Just it entertainment down, value? Entertainment value. I think the best three quarterbacks, if I didn't already know they turned it down, would be Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and Josh Allen. I think if you put those three, it's definitely a must watch for everybody. But if you want to throw in some, maybe some injury problems, some rookie talent, I would go Anthony Richardson. I would go Russell Wilson mm-hmm. and Zach Wilson. Jared Goff. Or, or Jared Goff. I'd, I'd put either of those two. Zach Wilson would be interesting, even though they did just about do that. Knocks. I don't really like Dak. I don't, I don't want to give him a spotlight just because his oh, team. Pew, pew. His, his team just carries him throughout the entire year. Like their defense is so good. Their special teams can make plays and he can be a mid quarterback and still win 12 games. Lamar? No, I'm talking about Dak. No, I mean, would like, would you like Lamar? Oh, I, can he pick I, it? I put Lamar up there. Can he pick it? Maybe next year. Maybe season Watson. three, maybe season three, pick it. Maybe, maybe season three Watson. I don't know if they'll ever give him a media spotlight again. And I was going to say Deshaun Watson. I could see a Desmond Ritter. Even hmm. though they could just do Atlanta, but I back to back like, Atlanta QBs. I kind of his in, his situation is interesting. Being on a team mm. who runs the ball a lot, he's not going to throw the ball a lot, but they might see some success this year. I wouldn't be surprised. And he probably makes it all the way to the last episode too. I guess I don't want to spoil it for you, but uh, oops, yeah. Mariota gets hurt. <laughs> I uh, already knew that. Yeah, I think Russell Wilson and Anthony Richardson, though. I mean, in for fame, Russell Wilson might be one of the most just famous quarterbacks. One of the more been famous, a, yeah. Been around a while. Celebrity, celebrity wife. Been there a couple. A lot of commercials. One, one of them. Have you been concerned about the amount of Chiefs commercials that you've seen this year? No, I mean the last. Like I, I'm in the AFC West. My family lives in Kansas City. I see the Chiefs everywhere, so it doesn't really surprise me. Like they're 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 probably the next dynasty in the NFL, so they're going to get a lot of media coverage. And they've got likable guys on their team, so I can't really complain. 
spending a lot of time in the uh, that was that's see that's been the nice thing about Dion since doing college football is that he's actually you know, there's been really no Dion commercials. There's that one like uh the Affleck one. There's the Sweden. Affleck one. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, and I think that was I'm gonna I think that was running before he was at Jackson State. I could be wrong, but I feel like that uh, one's been around a while. Well, they've got a newer version of it where he brings a buffalo into the into the oh. commercial because there's because there's a maybe he's exclusive to Affleck. Could be, could be. Should we just mention? Should we just keep talking about Colorado? Time for College Corner. I could. I, I'm. I'm always down to talk about Colorado. I've completely bought into what they can do this season. I bought into Dion. I bought into. Spoiler Shadir. alert! That's going to be a Colorado flag back there. Uh, I, I don't count it out. Don't count it out completely. Uh, I'm not going to give away my secrets, but don't count it out. Imagine if it was a Shadur Saunders flag. I hope it is. I hope it it's, is. It's going to be a Photoshop of Shadur Sanders holding the Heisman, except at the end of the year, we'll be able to take the actual picture. Not not Photoshop Shadur Saunders in a Broncos jersey. Oh, I could only dream. Shadur Saunders' head on, just put it right on Russ's body. <laughs> I don't want to do Shadur that much of a discredit. I don't. I don't know. That might actually get him drafted. That might be the thing. Because I don't know what else. What else do the scouts have to see? I guess maybe real competition. But hey, here we go. A couple. Wait a couple more days. Coming up soon. Yeah, because we've got they've got Oregon coming up this week. They've got uh, USC the week after that. Later in the year, they've got Oregon State. Uh, So yeah, they're definitely they're coming up on the conference play. They're going to come up on that competition. Uh, they've got, uh, as of this morning, Colorado was plus 21 for the spread against Oregon. And I will tell you, I did put my money on that. Did you just bet, bet just the spread? Did you parlay uh, with anything? I did, I, I did it by itself and I did an alternative spread. I did plus 17 and a half mm. as, as my bet. I think they're going to keep it close. I think it's going to be within, I think whoever wins this game is going to win probably by a touchdown, maybe 10. Well, okay. I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a close game. I don't know if I really have the balls to go out and say Colorado is going to win the game, but they're going to make it a, they're going to make it competitive. You're not buying. You don't want to come on. They're your boys. I, I want, okay. It's their first real competition. And uh, we do know Deion Sanders is, is one of the most uh, influential coaches in college football already getting that big roster turnover, but we got to keep in mind that this is a, this is a college who won one game out of 12 last year. Uh, this is their first real competition with Deion Sanders and the guys that he's brought in. Uh, that's, uh, that's in a big D one FBS type school. Uh, the first real competitive defense that Shadur is going to see all season other than maybe Nebraska's. So, uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to completely say that Colorado is just going to, uh, mop the floor with Oregon and completely take them over. But uh, I could I could see maybe in like a, a close little like end game sneak out win like how they had against Colorado State. I think you might be right. I think the alternate spread is the way to go here because they are. I mean, if you think they're going to get it done, they're six plus six sixty right now, mm-hmm. plus six sixty on FanDuel. So I mean, you're going to get good odds, and if you want to parlay that with something, but yeah, and plus one fifty eight, plus fourteen and a half. Their their plus twenty one was just disrespectful to me. Is how I'll put it. I I think I think I agree with you too. I'm I'm if they actually win this game, I mean this is like the Dion thing is insane because I mean watching the Colorado State game, I don't know. I guess black is a slimming color, but like it's it, do they just have linebackers and defensive backs? 
Do they have defensive linemen? It didn't really seem like it. They they've got they've got guys on the smaller end, but they can they can pressure the quarterback. They're quick, but and you know you run if you're a man to man team. The thing is like the way Colorado State's offense works, like I mean the the drag route stuff is funny, but that is, that's how Ohio State beat Michigan there for a couple years. Is they had some better talent at wide receiver versus the cornerback, and they would just run this underneath stuff man to man. It's a man beater. It works, and that's what Colorado State was doing. And they were doing it with some success. And I don't know if I think this Colorado State game was like the Alabama-South Florida game where I think you could go, was that Alabama having a bad game versus, you know, like like Colorado State was actually pushing them, right? Like, I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. Like They were keeping up. They, they came out of the gate and they ended up scoring first. They had, uh, they had a lead for majority of the game. Yeah. Uh, it was unfortunate that uh, the way they kept in the game was that dirty hit that they put on Travis Hunter. I don't want to say, I, I don't, okay. I guess I will say, I don't understand how that wasn't targeting. Did you, did you, did you see that play? When he was running well, down the sideline. The thing with targeting, is it like, it's not even just like intention. If it's a dirty play, targeting is supposed to, the rule exists because it's supposed to distract players away from doing that stuff. So even if you don't think it was a dirty hit, like, it still doesn't it. It's like it still doesn't doesn't it check the boxes for targeting. Like I thought I it was would, just head and neck stuff. So. Like yeah. I, the the head, head next like the head the head stuff is a oh, pause. The, the head, head stuff head is the contact, title of the episode. Leading the crown to the helmet is kind of the main thing they look at. But like it was a couple of seconds after that ball had already hit the ground. He obviously knew that, yeah. that play wasn't going to continue. He was he was just head hunting him. It's just the way that I'll put it. Like. And he was determined when he started making that play on the ball that he was going to hit him no matter if he caught that or not. So I, and that's just like a, it's almost like a defenseless receiver, personal foul type call. And I don't, I don't understand, like it wasn't a contact to the head, but it it was definitely a targeting in a sense where uh, the player was defenseless. The play was well over. Uh, It was, it was it was unnecessary. It was unnecessary. I think you're right about that. It doesn't even have to be to the head. If you're leading with the crown of the helmet, like, right. And I'm, you know, I'm the type of guy like I'll, I'll give a guy a break if he's not going to the head if he's leading with the head. But yeah, if you're like at the delayed too, it's just it is unfortunate that Travis Hunter is uh one of the more talented. And this, and it was, I don't want to say it was him and Shador like carrying the team, but I mean he's even more special because he is playing both sides of the ball. So he, you lose both a top five receiver and a top five corner simultaneously. Right. And positionally, he's like the one guy on the defense that is like you know, equipped for their position plus more, like plus elite as well. Yeah, like with that one injury, you're losing you're losing two players on the field, which is yeah, it's just it's just a bad break for them. But at in the end of the day, they've got they had the receiver that stepped it up. I don't remember what his name is off the top of my head. Yeah, I know who you're talking about and I don't either. Yeah, he had that touchdown that led them into OT towards the end of the game. Uh he, they he were really step it up. They had FanDuel's had the betting odds for Colorado up for a couple of weeks now for these big games. And before the Travis Hunter, before the game, so obviously before for the Colorado State game, so that would have been before the Travis Hunter injury, I think they were like five to one. You know, now they're six to one. I would say you would even, the odds could even be moved like more than that. Like it would have been tough to do this with Travis Hunter, but, uh, I think it definitely now without Travis Hunter, like as much as we love this Colorado team, I feel like 
Oregon might be the team to stop it. Was it Wilkerson was the receiver? Uh, it was Jimmy Horn. Jimmy Horn. Jimmy Jr. Horn. Yeah. And then you've got JC uh, Horn related. Uh, I don't know. It could be. But uh, two other Jay guys Horn. I want to mention on that offense: Xavier Weaver. He had a really good game, nine for ninety-eight mm. and a touchdown. And then their tight end, uh, Michael Harrison. He went seven for seventy-six with two yeah. touchdowns. Uh, the big one being that uh, he had that overtime two-point conversion, or that led them into overtime. Yeah. And then he had a touchdown in overtime as well. Uh, he, he had a very good game. Like, uh, I, he's a tall, lengthy type of guy. He's not really – he's tall, but he's not really big when it comes to size. Hmm. But uh, they, they've used him a lot in the first couple of weeks of the season. I'm excited to see how that's going to impact his – the rest of his college career. I'm excited to see how that might impact his draft capital, if that's going to rise hmm. due to that. So, we'll see. I'm not sure what year he's eligible, but might be like a – if you're looking at a dynasty league – uh, he's a junior, so it looks like he would be eligible this year if he were to declare for the draft. So maybe like a third or fourth round guy who might bring some tight end depth to a team. We'll see. And interesting, like you said, he's smaller. He's a convert. It looks like he's a converted receiver. Mm-hmm. So he's listed on this site as 6'3", 190. Uh, they've got it on ESPN as 6'3", 215, which is still pretty undersized okay. for a tight end. Bulk up, bulked up a little bit, though. Yeah. Put some size on, but yeah, played wide receiver for his first three years of Colorado. Not a transfer, just a guy that's stuck around. One of the few guys hard. that Dion decided to keep on that roster. Did for a good reason. Yeah, came through. And there was a, I think, like stepped up at one point and broke up. Like, uh, there was like some guys talking. I think maybe stepped in. You know, mature kid, keeping it, keeping it together. Real one of the grip. transfers that they haven't really used that much yet is this kid from Kentucky, Cavassier Smoke. The running back. I just want. I just want him to get touches because his name is Cavassier Smoke. What a name! Yeah. Well, they've got. I think Shador. I think Shador is a a great name. That's a that's a good name. Shiloh Sanders. That's gonna. That's a good first name. But like when you talk about running backs, that uh, Dylan Edwards, their main running back. I like him. Uh, He had ten carries, fifty-seven yards. He's he's a good. He's a good running back where you can hand him the ball, expect three or four yards out of him every play, every time he touches the ball. Well, we said so last week. We said that Shador Saunders was going to be a top 10 pick. And then immediately after Mal Kuyper released his rankings, put him in the top 10. He watches the well, podcast. I shout out Mel Kuyper if you're listening, you know, call in. Uh, we're, 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 we're Shiloh Sanders. You want to make a Shiloh Sanders prediction? I don't want to say he's the next prime time, but he's the next prime. Oh! Time. <laughs> Following in the footsteps. He's, he's a good ball hawk type safety. Like they've got him at safety in that defense. I wouldn't be surprised if he would move to corner if he were to go to the NFL. Mm. Um, yeah, he's just he he knows how to make plays on the football. Not necessarily when it only comes to interceptions, but uh, he's just a good physical type of guy that can go step for step with the receiver. He's really good safety who can kind of play that middle of the field and make the play when he needs to. So I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised. First rounder, six foot one ninety five at safety. Six foot one ninety five. This is his fifth year in college football. Hmm. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if I would say first rounder. Top three, top one hundred, top one hundred. I'd go top one hundred. Pretty safe bet. I think uh, Dion coaching him is only going to make him better. 
top 100 in the real draft, but top, but first round in the redraft in 10 years <laughs> after he plays the career. And we're like, oh yeah, of course, Shiloh Saunders. Was yeah. Thank yeah, you. he was just one of the four players in this Colorado team tearing up. The problem is more guys just keep stepping up every week. Like they've mm-hmm. needed guys to elevate and more guys to keep doing it. And that's just another thing that we've talked about with this Dion thing is rosters just feed off the energy of their coach and coach and Dion's energy is the best energy. And, you know, I mean, you could say the same thing looking at the other side in Colorado state feeding off of Jay Norville's energy, but Dion just is going to have the best energy of anybody in college football. And I mean, they needed it at the end and, Guys were stepping up. It was prime time and guys were making plays. They were right. doing it. And one thing, one thing I've kind of noticed with this coaching staff, and this might kind of be a hot take, but uh, when you look at those sideline clips, uh, when they pan over to Dion on the field, he doesn't look like a head coach that's, I don't want to say not involved because he's obviously involved. He's the head coach of that team. But I don't think he play. I don't think he calls plays for offense. I don't think he calls plays mm-hmm. for the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to Dion, he's he's that coach that's there for the players. Like he is, he like you said, he is making the impact he wants. He's keeping those players wanting to play. And when you're as good, when you have as good of an NFL career and as good as a football mind like Dion, you can get offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators who have a built up resume mm-hmm. and know what they're doing to come and work for you. And if you're Dion and, and you can do that, you can rely on those guys to really make those play calls and get that game going for you. And that's why I like at the end of that game, uh, they tried to talk about Shadur and Shiloh and him that in that post-game interview. And he just shut all that down and was like, I don't want to talk about them. This was a good game for my players. This was a good game for my coaches. Everybody really stepped up. And that's that's just another thing to buy in on the Dion trend. He, he attributes all of the success on this team to his coaching staff and his players. Like he wants to bring himself into it a little bit, but he knows at the end of the day, uh, it's those guys that are going out there on the field and those coaches that are are running that offense and that defense that are keeping those games close and keeping that Colorado team competitive. Come on, Dan, just do it. Just pick them to beat Oregon. You know you I want, want to. to. I, I kind of want to. You know to. you want to. But it's just them being Oregon being their toughest, their toughest competition so far. Uh they've they've got Bo Nix as their quarterback, right? He I I have him as one of uh, the top QBs going into this mm. draft class. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be that and USC being back-to-back weeks is definitely their two toughest competitions this year. Um, this is the, uh, this is the test stretch. This is the test. Colorado. I think if they beat Oregon, that they also beat it's gonna USC. Be, college football might break. I don't know what, what's going to happen if they beat. How do you, where's okay. Oregon ranked right now? They, let me pull it up. Can you, can you get the AP in top? Because I think the only other thing we were going to talk about might be Alabama. But Let me ask you a question while I'm trying to pull yeah. this up. If Colorado beats Oregon this week, how do you do you have a hard time not putting Colorado in the top 10? Um, In the top 10. I don't know if Oregon is a top 10 team. Oregon is ranked 10th currently going into week four. Colorado is uh, 19. They dropped a spot after that close win to Colorado State. So, do you, where do you rank Colorado if they beat Oregon? 15. 13? 15? 15? Depending on how, you know, how the rest of the week shakes out. It's kind of tough because you've got like powerhouse schools in that like 10 to 15 range, like Alabama and LSU, that are, you know, are probably going to, 
end the season higher. And even like Penn State, like they're not better than Penn State. No, and Penn State's ranked Colorado. Like they've solidified their spot in the top yeah. 10 probably for the rest of the season, if I had to be honest. They're not beating Ohio State either. No, anybody Penn State uh, from seven to one, I don't – maybe maybe USC, they play them this year. There's a chance. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? I think if they can beat Oregon, they have a shot. The reason I think USC. I want them to pick Oregon is because this is the game they're going to have to win. Caleb Williams will – Tear up that defense. He'll, I mean, he'll, he'll exploit the defense, especially if Travis Hunter is not out there. I think it'll be a shootout, USC versus Colorado. It very well could be. Very well could be. I but think Oregon. I think Oregon Colorado is going to be a little bit closer when it comes to scoring than USC Colorado would be. But um, I don't know. They've got a good shot at beating Oregon. I think so. Like it's like right night type of team. So I think like right night, like Oregon, I think is the right night type of team. I think they could beat Oregon on the right night. I think just at this point, you know, Notre Dame, are they like a right night kind of team where I don't know if I'm like super, super sold on them. They're number nine right now. Washington. I think I, I really do like Utah at 11 LSU, like even Bama. I don't think they beat, well, I don't think they beat Bama. You don't think they beat Bama? Just because of the coaching on that team. Saban knows how to tear up any team that he plays. Is that the bowl if game? He can, if he can get the QB into if he can get the QB situation under control, they can beat anybody. Oh, look who else slid into the top 15. Is that Oregon State? Is that DJ Uyungle? That's DJ right there, right at 14. His brother Mateo Uyungle playing for Oregon. I think it's his brother. I can't imagine there's a ton of other Uyungles running around out there but uh i think is is bama colorado the bowl game we all want would that be that the, be the most back. would that be the most would that be the most hype bowl game of all time colorado would that LSU? bowl game be bigger than the title i think colorado lsu or colorado alabama would be two pretty good ones would bama would bama colorado be bigger than the national title game if the national title game was michigan georgia the one in the two. If it was Michigan, Georgia, I think that Alabama, Colorado is a better game. If it's USC, Georgia, I feel like USC, Georgia would take that just because Caleb Williams, like Texas, uh, USC. I think Colorado, Alabama is a bigger game than that. So Colorado, Alabama is the biggest potential matchup think, that uh, we it, could have. But I also think Alabama is going to end the year top 10 for sure and there's a chance they can make their way back into a top five like they had the close win against usf they ended up losing to texas they're still good i mean they're known to take over that sec when it comes to conference play they've got a good amount of time left i definitely see them finishing top 10 probably top seven Do you know if they said if they're going with ty simpson going forward i don't know if they've said anything about who they want to go with uh they started uh milrow weeks one and two uh yeah. week three they started who was it simpson that started or was it the other they started buckner they started buckner and then they went to simpson and i mean yeah. neither of them looked that great i think you know the ufc the usf performance obviously wasn't great but i think if we're just i think the buckner move was just it was not the right move for Saban to make i think if you look at his time at notre dame i think it's frisky and had some good moments but he is, he only, you know, appeared in 13 games in two seasons through less than 120 passes and was 
56, 56% on 120 passes, 900 yards, six touchdowns to eight interceptions. So, I mean, as, as much as Milrow, like I had my questions as a passer, I, I think you could just make the case that as a passer, Milrow is better than Buckner. And Milrow also gives you this like athletic-y type stuff. So I thought that move was the thing that really cost him in this game was Saban actually, like, I think if they have Milrow out there, I don't think they're getting, I don't think they're struggling the way they are. And once they throw Simpson in, like, I mean, that's his first, that's like his first half of playing. So it may be a slow start. And I, you know, did did you like what you saw from him? Former five-star? When I, I when I was watching, I didn't really watch the game live. I was watching the highlights over earlier today, yeah. and I none of either of the two Alabama quarterbacks really caught my eye. The one that really caught my eye that game was Byron Brown, the USF quarterback, scrambling around. He, he only had eighty-seven yards passing, but he ended up with ninety-two rush. He had twenty-three carries. Yeah, that and that's like that's NFL running back one type of carries when it comes to those uh-huh. games. Like he's he's taking the ball and he's going, but he looked electric. Like he was running, he was really shifty. He was getting through guys, and he he really kind of made me wonder towards the end of that game if he'd be able to keep USF in it and maybe mm-hmm. make it close. Unfortunately, they didn't score in that second in the second half. Just we know Alabama's defense; they know how to put pressure on anybody. Uh, their but, defense was still like their defense was still like playing well. Him scrambling was the really the only thing that was moving the ball. Right. For that offense was him running around. That that really gave him problems. Their their run game had some had some bright light, but their passing game was pretty much non-existent. Yeah, uh, was... and then I I, I can't, I'll say I wasn't really paying attention to the Alabama quarterback play. Like I'm looking at the numbers: five for nine, seventy-three yards. Did he? Because he did he only play that second half? Yeah. Ty Simpson. Yeah. So I mean, with that, with those numbers, is kind of kind of underwhelming when you look at a team like USF, who Alabama should beat by a million. Uh, but what's even worse is Tyler Buckner in that first half. Yeah, that was just – I'm looking looking at that now, 5 for 14, 34 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. I think another, you know, bigger problem than even the quarterback might just be the offensive line has – it's just – the on the left side, I mean, we already talked about Caden Proctor earlier, and shout out to Caden Proctor. I think we're fans, but he's a true freshman. Playing his first three games in college, right. I'm sure there's going to be a struggle there. The left guard is – a sophomore. So I, you know, I think Alabama, like I still watch them. I think they're a good football team. I mean, Dallas Turner was dominant in this game. And again, like you at USF only scored three points. And the only thing that was working was the quarterback scrambling after the play breaking down. But the, the thing that is, I think we've taken for granted for Alabama is just the ability to not have, it's not to just be, be competitive every year, but not to have that like quote unquote developmental year for these guys, because that might just be what this year is. Like, again, I like Caden Proctor. I even think the numbers for Simpson were underwhelming, but I think he showed some stuff and he had, you know, five completions, but five sacks. So it's not going to be easy doing that in your, like, again, your first half of football as a college starter, you're not even preparing in the week, maybe even as like the starter as well. Just, going through game plan and stuff. So I like this team, but maybe I like this team more next year. If, you know, the quarterback and some of these other pieces stay around, the offensive line stays in place. And that's just something we've never had from Alabama. We've never needed to wait for them to get their guys in shape. 
Right. And uh, like you said about the offensive line, one thing I kind of like to say about it is a quarterback's only good as the offensive line will let him be. So mm-hmm. if you can't, if you can't get that protection in there to give your quarterback time to make a play, if you're, if you're always having him kind of scramble around to, to kind of be that improvising QB to make those plays outside the pocket and run the ball. Uh, so I think if the offensive line is going to be a constant theme of not being able to block this year, I would go with Milrow of the three. I think he's got better legs on him. He can get out of the pocket a little bit better. But uh, these three guys, when it comes to throwing the ball, I'm not impressed with any of them. So it'll be it'll be weird to see Alabama in a developmental year, especially when you've got guys in the running game like uh, Roydell Williams, who ended up with 129 yards. He had a big 50-yard rushing touchdown. Yeah, he looked good. Uh, and then Jace McClellan, who this year he's, he's been pretty constant when it comes to rushing and receiving. Uh, he'll be he'll be out there and open. Only had uh, looks like one reception in this game, but he he had a couple scattered out in the first couple games. I like watching him. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what this passing game is going to look like. You said a couple episodes back that, or maybe we were just talking, but you had your eye on an Alabama running back. Do you remember which one it was for Dynasty? It was. You were looking at a guy. Oh, which one was it? Was there because one of them I think is like was like a crazy five-star, right? I mean, yeah, there's a good chance a, a couple of them were, but... 2025, it might have been Roy Dell. Was it? That's what I... Well, no, I mean, it was either senior. him. Is it McClellan? Probably McClellan then, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. a younger guy. I think he's year two, maybe? Let me confirm. No, he's a senior as well. I saw hmm. Alabama running back, but I don't remember what name I saw. He could be a, he could be a freshman or sophomore now and just isn't getting hmm. the playing because these older guys are kind of ahead of him on that list. But, yeah, I don't remember the name that I saw. I wish I did. Well, they do have Old Miss coming up this week, so that would be a good correctional week. I'm interested to see where they go there because, I mean, going back to Milrow at least gives you some confidence. But, again, I you know, Simpson's a five-star guy, and he was in the class with Drew Aller. And Drew Aller is starting at Penn State this year. So if you're just saying timeline-wise, is it time for a guy like Ty Simpson to step in and take over? I mean, it would make sense. The, the McCarthy timeline would be very similar as well. So I'll be interested to see where they go with this. I think it's a good week for college football games. Again, the court, the Colorado-Oregon's a top-20 matchup. Alabama-Ole Miss is a top-20 matchup. I feel like there's another one in there as well. Well, Michigan Rutgers is always, you know, mm-hmm. that's always a, a thriller. And Rutgers, they don't look bad this year. Huh. They look pretty good. Yeah, UCLA, UCLA, Utah, 11 versus 22. That's another high-powered matchup. Some good games this week. I'll be tuning in. So I think I found the Alabama running back I was looking at. It was uh, Jam think? Miller. He's a sophomore, a four-star going into Alabama. Oh, you were going uh, deep cuts. Yeah, well, he's not eligible till 25, and I think both of the running backs they've got this year are going to end up getting drafted mm-hmm. uh, in 24. But I'm pretty sure it was Jim that I was looking at. Jim Miller? Uh, his full name is Jamarian Miller, but they've oh. got it listed as Jim Miller on the depth chart. Kind of a smaller yeah, build. He's 5'10", 211. I found him on 24-7 sports. Yeah. He's rejected to be a second, third round, second or third round pick, but that's without a lot of playing time. He'll probably he'll probably see the field more next year for sure after these guys end up going to the league. So this was the class. It was Drew Aller, Cade Klubnick, Connor Wegman. 
Ty Simpson, Devin Brown was a top five. Seeing a little more Drew Aller. Club Nick, obviously. I think you still have some stock in. Uh, we'll see. Uh, he had a very rough start these first two, three games for Clemson. He, or I guess, Same size. I guess mainly first. Ty Simpson. Mainly first game against uh, who they play week one. Bama? Was it? Well, no, they played Clemson. Texas week two. Clemson. I don't remember who they played week one. Oh, who did Clemson play? Yeah. Duke? Duke, yeah. He did not look good in that game. And, I mean, Duke's, Duke looked good in their first two games. I don't know how they did week three. But I think they won again. I think so. Nick Singleton was the number one running back out of this class. Was it Emmanuel Henderson? Sounds familiar. Emmanuel Henderson. That's the number two running back in 2022. Number 59 overall. This is fun. Just reading position rankings. 185. They have they say that he possesses speed, quickness, explosiveness, and big play abilities. Mm. What last Alabama running back would you describe that? Um, most of them. There's there's one that comes to my mind. Derrick Henry? Al, uh, is it big? Morrow. Oh. There's Kamara Wheatman as well. Maybe. I'm just I'm a big fan of these Alvin Kamara type running backs. Like Jameer Gibbs yeah. this last year, I was pretty high on. Anybody yeah. who can run the heart out of the ball and still play a play in the passing game has my vote. Well, should we keep naming guys? Because the last thing we have to do is set our fantasy lineup for week three. Should we just get right into the picks? I don't think there's anything else we have to discuss with this, right? Get just start right making the picks. Well, I know you want to get right into it, so I'll go ahead and preface this. I uh, want to say last week I beat you oh, by yeah, uh, yeah, whopping yeah. like 40 points. <laughs> so here was the totals. We'll go over my team. Uh, my team was Josh Allen. He had 23.66. Saquon Barkley had 27.2. Rashad mm. White had 21.3. Stephon Diggs with a 13.6. Uh, Devontae Smith had 23.1. Yeah. And then George Kittle, who was kind of my sleeper, had six points with a total of 114.86. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to go over your team or do you want to do the honors? Well, I don't, it obviously wasn't as good. I think I ended up with about 85 in total, 15 from Burrow, 19. Oh, well, round up 19.9, 20 points from James Cook. Mm-hmm. This one, this one hurts. I, I was, I was impressed with week one from Tyler Algier and week two, you know, he got the carries, the carries were there. I know Bijan out touched him. And I think that's just going to be the way it's going to be because he looked, you know, like we said, he looked, looked fantastic. <laughs> Algier took a step back, but you could say it was his first bad game. <laughs> like, you know, 12, 12, 13 games. Right. It's been a hot, hot streak for Algier. And like I said, had to throw the jinx on somebody in this lineup, but 14 from Amon Ra, 20 from Devontae, and 11 from our boy Sam Laporta, which not bad. We'll take. More than Kittle, more than, almost I, double my, Kittle points. I think that was my most successful pick. I think if you get if you get 11 points from a non-Travis Kelsey tight end, I think you're pretty stoked. Yeah, I think you're happy you, about that. When you took Laporta, I was like, "What is this guy doing?" I like I didn't think Laporta was going to get more than like <laughs> six points, but for him to be one of your higher scorers, I mean, that was a good pick. I forget. Did he get a touchdown? I don't think so. Uh, I Mm, think you said even better. Think so, but 
Yeah, usage. So last week we did quarterback, running back, running back, receiver, receiver, tight end. Are we adding a flex spot this week? I think I think we should go ahead and add a flex spot this week. I think okay. that kind of brings it more of like that fantasy dynamic, being able to take uh, uh, any guy from running back, wide receiver, tight end as a flex play. Perfect, perfect. So you let me go first last week. Do you want to go first this week? Uh, Start us off this week. Do you want to want to do the same thing? Just go in order of the roster from QB down. It's up to you. If you want to mix it up, go for it. Let's go. Let's do. Let's let's mix it in, but a little different mix up. So let's go QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end, flex in that order. But let's do a snake draft. Oh, okay. So I'll go first. You make your two picks, and then I'll make two, and then we'll, I think we should do it like that. We're doing which positions? Uh, so we'll go quarterback, running back, running back, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, flex. Oh yeah. Okay. We'll just go down the list for sure. For sure. You want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. All right. So first guy I'm going to take, uh, I had two guys on my list. I, I think I'm going to take the one that's a little bit more of a risk play, but has a higher ceiling. Uh, arguably the best offense so far in the first two weeks of the season. Okay. My quarterback, I'm taking Tua Tungavailoa. Mm, fair, fair. Uh, so he's got, I, I saw it earlier, but I don't remember who they've got this week. Dolphins? Uh, yeah. It's coming up. I mean, he's leading the league in pass yards right now. So. Right, and he's got two guys in Jalen Waddle and Tyreek yeah. Hill who are always reliable. They've got the Broncos this week. So I'm oh. taking the QB against my team, but I think Jalen Waddle's going to have a good week, I think, and I think Tua is going to give him the ball a lot just because I know that our secondary is really weak after our quarterback mm. one. So whoever Pat Sertain is not going to be shadowing on that side of the field is going to have a good week. And if they keep him to one side of the field, it could be both of them. Uh, if they keep him on Tyreek, it's going to be Waddle. So I have a lot of faith in Tua as my quarterback. This is this is a gnarly matchup. I can't wait. Tua, or not Tua, Pat Sertan versus Tyreek Hill is going to be nuts. Tyreek's going to run right by him. But if he tries to make like any like any short any short routes, like when it comes to slants or maybe a couple ins and outs, I think Sertan can shadow him pretty well. But if he goes on that deep ball, expect Tyreek to see the ball a lot. You guys also play the or you guys also play the Vikings. In week 11, that's Justin Jefferson mm-hmm. versus Pat Sertan. Who makes you more nervous, Tyreek or Jettas? I say Tyreek. Against Sertan. Uh, mm. Against Sertan, just because it's the speed play that really plays it. If he wants to run right by you, he will. And there's mm-hmm. no there's no corner in the league that's going to keep up with him. Uh, So I, I'm more scared of Tyreek. Justin Jefferson is a very good route runner, but I have a lot of faith in PS2. He's very good at shadowing mm. the man. Uh, arguably the best man corner in the NFL. So I have more faith uh, uh, with him against Justin Jefferson and knowing that uh, the wide receiver core for the Vikings is weaker than the Dolphins. I'm more scared of Jalen Waddle than I am any other mm. wide receiver on that team. So your Damari Mathis versus Jalen Waddle stock. Got to be terrible for the Broncos. Well, I think it's going to be good for Tua, bad for the Broncos. It may be good for your lineup in a little bit too. I, that's a potentially pretty favorable matchup, but are you, so you're back on the clock again? No, you're up. I'm up again. I'm up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, and I'm taking a quarterback or I'm taking yeah. any position. Uh, quarterback. Okay. So my quarterback is going to be, let me go back to my list. I'm taking this week versus, oh, I should have known who the Dolphins are. But, uh, I'm taking this week. I'm going Stafford versus the Bengals. 
Bengals have been one of the, you know, I, I think, you know, the defensive numbers against quarterbacks haven't been great to start, but that has been against mobile quarterbacks. You know, you're going against Lamar. You're going against Deshaun. Stafford's obviously not that. So we're putting up to the test this week. Stafford, a little bit, you know, a little bit of a, a sleeper guy. The Bengals, it's still September. Maybe they're still in the sleeper start. The defensive line, the pressures are not there yet. So we're, well, the, the Rams offense has been high powered these couple of weeks. I still think even statistically, you know, he doesn't throw those picks against the Niners. Stafford's not having a bad day. So I like I like the upside in that. We're going with uh we're going with an upside play at QB Stafford versus I better better put it in my lineup here. Matt Stafford versus Tua Tunga Vailoa is our QB showdown this week. I like it. Right, wait, so is it, are we snaking? Do I have yep, another pick? So, yep, you're gonna go running back now. Okay, so I get to pair somebody with Max with Matt Stafford. And I should have known who the Dolphins are playing this week because I literally had this guy on my list. It says versus the Broncos. I'm taking the Dolphins running back. Give me Mostert. I I I week one, they really threw me off with how they wanted to use their run game. They only ran the ball like 13 times with their running backs, and I think 12 of them were on first down. And they were just trying to set up the play action and take the shots against the Chargers. But against the Patriots, you know, the Patriots were really showing them like a light box that game. So they were, they said, hey, if you're not going to play the run, like we're going to take advantage of the run. And they also really like, they may not necessarily run like a lot, like between the 20s, but they definitely want to run the ball around the goal line and in the end zone. Whereas maybe they're, you know, they're mo- using that as more play action, getting the ball down the field. I think most of you get to touchdown in this game. And I think, you know, where the Dolphins are starting to come off the board. I know they're a high-powered offense, but, Dan, I think outside of Sertan, the defense might not be there this year. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you on that. And when you look at Moster, he's got three touchdowns for the first two games. I could definitely see him getting a touchdown this game. Uh, he'll, he has 28 carries through the first two. He's getting mm-hmm. a higher carry percentage when it comes to that committee that they're going to try to go with. So I, I like to pick with that one. I could see some money was that? What's that? 28? Uh, 28 carries? 20, 28 carries through the first two games. Uh, I think he only had at, 10, 10 in week one. So, yeah, 18 carries last week. And last week against the Commanders, Brian Robinson, who had a, a pretty good breakout game, he ended up with like 29 fantasy points. Yeah. So, the Broncos against running backs. Uh, we did stop Josh Jacobs week one, but that's just – I kind of allude that more to the fact that we play the Raiders a lot. We've played him multiple times. We kind of know more what we're doing when it comes to how they rush with their offense. but. I like the upside there. I got bit with Brian Robinson this week. I reached for him in our redraft league and then made some like waiver wire moves. And, you know, it was still the Broncos defense, you know, the commander's offense. But I think I ended up playing playing a couple guys over Brian Robinson. And Brian Robinson was the number one RB in fantasy this week. So it happens to the best of us. But Mostert is my RB1. So you're back on the clock. Oh, oh you're clock. typing the name. I did type it before I'm announcing it. So I'm going to go with Jacksonville Jaguars running back Travis Etienne. Okay. I like, I like his matchup against the Texans. Uh, Texans defense is kind of just non-existent when it comes to their games this season. Uh, and it is a little bit different of a position, but in that first quarter, they let Anthony Richardson run all over them. So I, I do like what, uh, what that matchup Etienne has against that run defense. I don't think their run defense is very good. 
So I, I, I kind of like what I see there with that one. So I'm going to take the upside on ETN this week. ETN, number one, you get a little, little passing to PPR. Is he going to be your, is he your RB1? Is he your best running back? I definitely left my RB1 on the board. I took my RB2 first, but what do you do? Hopefully I, he's still here. I'd say, I'd say ETN's probably my RB2 after this guy, but I, I, I like the matchup, so I wanted to solidify that in there. Okay. Um, I'm kind of stuck, but I know both of these guys are probably better than ETN. Hmm. So I'm going to well, go There's no ahead. wrong picks. ETN has been probably one of the higher usage guys through two weeks, right? Right. Through, or right. just in terms of touches. I am going to take Dallas Cowboys running back Tony Pollard as my mm. running back. Uh, they've got the Cardinals this week. Uh, Pollard's the second Cardinals. in touches. So, so he's pretty up there. Um, ETN is 12. ETN is 12. In total touches right now. Tony Pollard, I just like the matchup against the Cardinals, another defense who's who's not the greatest. They let the say uh, Saquon last week ended up with two touchdowns, a rushing and receiving. Uh, not the greatest against stopping running back. So I just mm. I like the matchup a lot, and I think he's going to have a good week. I agree. I think Tony Pollard's going to have a day. My guy made it to me. Should have taken him first, but I didn't. And I'm getting him now. Give me in a, in a bounce back week. I think the what the one major adjustment this team has to make is just get the guy the ball more. That would be Brees Hall. They asked they asked Brees Hall after the game. Well, why do you think the Jets struggled? Why do you think he lost? Well, he he said, hey, they only gave him the ball four times. And you know what? I agree. And I get you're coming off an injury, and maybe we want to keep this guy healthy. You bring in Dalvin Cook to, you know, help ease the load a little bit. But in week one, he was just breaking runs left and right, looked amazing. You needed him in this game against the Cowboys. You never turned to him. Maybe that's intentional. You know, you go, well, maybe it's, it was it a lost cause, kind of saving him a little bit. But I think if they want to get the offense back on track week two, it's like, hey, can we just get the ball out of Zach Wilson's hand and into Garrett Wilson? Garrett Wilson's hands and into Brees Hall's hands. Like those are the two guys that need the ball. So I think bounce back week versus the Patriots, who again, most are just had a good week against. So maybe, you know, stacking the box against Brees Hall, but I still, I've, uh, I've already been there. I love Brees Hall. And I think, uh, I think he's going to have a good week against this Patriots team. And I think they make an effort to get him the ball after the offense struggled in the way it did. Right. And uh, week one against the bills, he didn't, he didn't have the highest carry percentage that game, but when he touched the ball, he made some very good explosive plays. Fantastic. And he he looked really good. He ended up with over 100 yards rushing. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he'll look like the rest of the season, especially if they're going to start leaning towards the rush more than the pass. Well, this is where I win the week right here because with my receiver, and I feel like it's absolutely cheating, but I'm going to do it. I said the stat earlier, the Chargers are giving up the most yards to receivers in the league. And well, I, I what do you want me to do? Their the their matchup is against the best receiver in the league. So I mean, I'm taking that. Give me Justin Jefferson. I don't blame you. I'm sorry. I feel I like it's no, cheap. no, I don't blame you at all. Like you look at my roster last week was probably a little bit overpowered. Like uh, none of these teams that I'll draft are probably I get Devontae Smith in there. Fantasy. Yeah, I mean he's a, he's a third round pick. Oh yeah, but I mean, it was in your wide receiver too. Was realistic. I wasn't. A, I would have said something if I would have thought your roster was egregious. It could be. It's gonna win. I, I mean, taking like Mahomes, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek, 
CMC, Bijan, and like Kelsey. Yeah. That would be overpowered. So no, I like then the we would have an issue going. Yeah, I like the balance we've got. And Justin Jefferson against the Chargers this week is definitely going to be a matchup people are going to want to see. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be problems. Is Asante Samuel still there? I don't even know who's good for the Chargers corners I right now. I don't even know who's there. I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure. How did I have your team written down from last weekend? Oh yeah. Oh, and you had Rashad White too. Sleeper guy. And Devontae I did Smith. Have Rashad White. Rashad White was my sleeping running back. The big thing, the big thing that I mean, really, the big thing that I mean, Algier tanked it for me, but I mean you Josh Allen over Joe Burrow was probably the big other matchup winner that you had. Burrow had 15. Allen ended up, you know, being one of the higher scoring QBs of the week. But Jetta is my wide receiver one. And you're welcome to retaliate with whoever you would like to make up for it. I'm surprised you didn't uh, go out and take my guy after I was so high on the QB that I took. I'm going Jalen Waddle. I know. I'm going Jalen Waddle. Uh, it's a good. Guess- ma- it's a good move. I don't want to do it against my own team, but oh, but you know, quarterback best. like Demari Mathis as the quarterback too is not going to be able to stop Waddle. He's not going to contain him. Uh, he's going to run all over the place. And and uh, when PS two, if he stays on one side of the field and covers Waddle, that leaves Tyreek open, and then I'll just get even more points with Tua. So mm-hmm. I like the QB stack with either of these receivers this week. But I'm going, I'm going Waddle as my first wide receiver off the board a great play i wish i wish there was like a prop bet for like who could be the highest scoring player this week does waddle against damari mathis is a yikes big yikes but uh i mean you want to just pair him with tyreek hill i don't know if i would necessarily do that just because i know when river craycraft river crawcraft (laughs) he had did what six points in the first week six more than i expected him to okay okay um, but yeah, on the board. whenever PS2 is on one of those guys, they're definitely going to have a little bit worse of an opening than they would against Demari Mathis. I think Tua will succeed definitely, and whoever has more matchups against Mathis is going to get the benefit. And getting a stack in there is smart too, right? My wide receiver two. I okay. I'll tell you the names I have on this list, but I'm not going to. Sure, you want to do that? Yeah, so oh, I'm not going to okay. take them. Uh, I have Ayuk, Jamar Chase, and Calvin Ridley. Uh, mm. I, I don't. I was high in him first two weeks. I think that's going to drop off a little bit. Uh, Jamar Chase. It feels like if I'm already taking Waddle, I don't want to go too overpowered with my lineup. And then Ridley, I already took Etn as the running back, and I don't want to bank on their running game. And they don't want to start. You don't want to have your fantasy team be represented by like two offenses, right? I want to. I want to have a little bit of variety. So I'm kind of looking through now just to see who I kind of want diversify to take. the portfolio. And that is that diversify. is not wrong. When you're doing daily fantasy lineups, I think if you want to anchor one team, but I've definitely gotten in that problem where you start to anchor to like you have like two teams, like the majority of your guys, and it's like you know even if you think you're gonna have a good week, spread it out. Diversifying right. is the best way to go. I think I'm going to throw a shot in the dark for this one. And this is a guy who you were talking about earlier. Uh, I don't know if it's the guy we're both thinking of, but I know you said something about him earlier in the podcast and he proved himself to be the wide receiver one in the offense this week with an absence. So I'm going to go Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, George Pickens as my receiver off the board. Oh, Uh, he had that long touchdown this last week against the Browns. Uh, with Deontay Johnson on IR, I think he's clearly the wide receiver number one when it comes to talent and targets. 
Uh, I could see a big game against the Raiders. And last week I had Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen, and they both tore up against that secondary. I could see the same thing happening this week. Oh, I don't – you know, it, 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 it might become a theme on this, but it, it works this way in the daily fantasy lineups. You want to attack the certain matchups. The Raiders are going to be a favorable matchup. I mean, we're doing it with the Chargers this week. And, you know, we're attacking the Chargers with Justin Jefferson. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. Pickens was on my list. Had him probably, you know, slotted here for either this or the flex. And especially without Deontay Johnson. And if if you're looking at FanDuel, too, like a lot of the receiving, like, props, like like I said earlier, like, I think I had a Pickens prop at plus 50 yards. Mm -hmm. It's like he's the wide receiver one. I get he's a big play guy, but the opportunity for a big play even just goes up without Deontay Johnson. So I feel like, I feel like all of the Pickens upside stuff, especially if it's not like uh, priced in yet, which I don't believe it is at least in the daily fantasy, I think take advantage of it. So good pick. Uh, Another guy that hasn't been priced in yet. And I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm just looking at the top of the board and taking guys off, but He's still not getting respect as one of the top guys. I'm taking Puka Nakua. You're taking Puka. Okay. I did think about this. I did. I did think about this. He's got like the highest target share in the first two games of a rookie, probably in NFL history. Yeah. I mean, he's the greatest receiver ever in the first two games of their season. Exactly. He's got 20 receptions in the first two games. Uh, He's have a hundred yards in both games. I know he did week one. Mm -hmm. Uh, No touchdown either. It's just productive. Just, just usage. With no cup and how often they threw the ball in that offense, I love that pick. I was actually probably going to pick him at my flex spot, so it's a good idea that you got out in front of me. We both had Pickens and Puka. Both Pickens had Pickens and Puka. Puka. Slotted as our flex, right flex guys. Puka's only 6900 right now on the FanDuel budget. For the listeners, Dan is only Dan's not 21 yet, but you turned 21 in the season. Do we know what week that is? Is that week 8? Week no, it's gonna be a little oh, later than that because it's December. Later. So yeah, yeah, it's like so it's gonna be week fourteen. You'll be good for week four. Week fourteen is December eleventh. Is that? Oh, so it'll be week. I turned twenty one on the twelfth, so week fifteen. Mm-hmm. Last four weeks of the season, we can do that. So you'll be week fifteen will be the day that Dan will be able to log into Fanduel and do the fantasy line. Maybe will fantasy be going by then? Is that? Fantasy I think time? so. Fantasy is forever. Uh, yeah, it'll be playoff times, but we can, we can kind of we'll figure out what to do from there when it gets to when it gets to playoff time. Because playoffs for fantasy, I'm pretty sure are 15, 16, 17. Hmm, true. So, true. We'll, we'll and see. Does it, sleeper versus uh, ESPN. I don't even know, but it depends on like dynasty league. I know for our dynasty true. league, it's 15, 16, 17. Most redraft leagues are probably starting week 15. Uh, the more teams you have, it could start week 14. Just depends on your league. I'm taking Kyle Pitts as my tight end. They're playing the Lions this week. He's a cheap option, and I'm backing him. There's the stats don't really give me a reason to. It's not like the target share has been that great, but this could be like, you know, not a high-scoring game against the Lions, but it could be in like that, 28 to 26 kind of range, 30 to 25 points. So there could be touchdowns to go around. I'm just crossing my fingers and hoping that Kyle Pitts gets a touchdown because I need him to for my actual fantasy team. Mm -hmm. We are also 0-2. So let me push all my eggs in the Kyle Pitts basket this week. Kyle Pitts. 
I like it. I like the play. Like they have been going a lot to Bijan. They finally involved Drake London last week. But I this could be the game. I wouldn't be surprised. Steve, it probably won't be, but it could be. It could be. Um my flex will end. save me. My flex might screw me because I don't know who I want yet. But for tight end, I do know who I want. And it's going to be Cleveland Browns tight end David Njoku. Mm. On the season, he's got seven targets, uh, six receptions, 72 yards. No touchdowns yet, but I think this is the game uh, against the tight ends where they might go to the air a little bit more. It is a little bit of a harder secondary. But uh, I think that that front four when it comes to the Titans defense is a lot tougher. Uh, running the ball without Nick Chubb is going to be a lot harder. I think uh, Deshaun Watson is going to have to go to the air, maybe use his legs a little bit. So I think Njoku uh, definitely could be the option this week. I, I, I like the upside with that, especially with the running game taking a big hit. Think they're slowing down Jerome Ford? Um, it, I don't really know what to think for their running game yet because today they brought in Kareem Hunt on a visit. So I don't know if Uh-oh. I don't know if Jerome Ford is going to be uh going to be the running back one going into the week. I don't know if Kareem the punt Hunt is going to make a nice return to the NFL for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, don't really know what to expect from their running game. I don't think they're going to run the ball nearly as much just because you don't have Chubb who you can give the ball to twenty five times in a game. So I like I like Njoku for a tight end spot. Well, my waiver proc process for my waiver request for drove Ford process is in about five hours so well uh i have a request out. in there too but i'm a lot lower on the order so you will probably end up with him i have the number one waiver this week. yep so he will be yours which is good because i will get jerome ford but if you play espn you know how those waiver rules work so also right. not good um yeah and joku is your tight end and your last pick sir your final flex spot See, now I'm coming to a difficult decision because I, I know who mine is. So I, I just got to cross my fingers. You know who yours is? Yep. I've gotten all my guys. The only guy I didn't, the only guy that I, I wanted was Pickens. Uh, I was going to take Pickens. Okay. I know who I'm taking. Okay. Uh, and you might like or not like this pick because it is against your team this week. I'm going with a Ravens wide receiver, and I'm taking Zay Flowers. That was my guy. That's my flex spot. That's your guy? That was my guy. I I literally don't have another guy. (laughs) Wow, I really took I was like, there's no way he takes Zay Flowers. He's got a good – he had a good first couple weeks this season. Uh, They're they're showing that they want to use him a lot. Week one, I know we talked about it last week, he had – seven more targets than every other receiver on that team. Uh, and this week they did involve Odell a little bit more, even though he now has an ankle injury. I don't know if that's going to keep him from seeing time on the field or not, but I like Zay Flowers. He's a speedy guy. He's shifty. He's going to make plays when he gets the ball. I can see him going seven receptions, 80 something yards, maybe throwing a touchdown there. So I like, I like to play. And thank you for, uh, Thank you for that guy. I did not know he was yours, but I was kind of looking at the list of games and I, I thought maybe he could have been it, but he was the only one that really kind of irked me for the flex spot at the end there. Well, you took, you took basically the two guys that I was going to take. So you know what, you know what my other move was going to be? And I don't think I'm going to put it in this way into FanDuel, but 
Let's see how it works this week. Give me Jordan Addison. Okay. We're going, both of them are going to get touchdowns this week against the Chargers. You want to go back and take Kirk and Madison too? <laughs> no, because I have Stafford and Puka. Yeah. That's oh, my stack. You, so you've got you've got a quarterback stack with your wide receiver, and then you've got two wide receiver stacks. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I just out. broke my own rule. I said don't anchor to your team, but <laughs> we'll see what happens against the Chargers. Yeah, I don't push know. push comes to shove and you got to make a decision after somebody sniped your guy, anything goes. Yeah, after you sniped two of my guys. It took Pickens, too. Yeah. So your team is Tua, ETN, Pollard, Jalen Waddle, Pickens, and Joku and Flowers. And I have Stafford, Mostert, Brees Hall, Justin Jefferson, Puka Nakua, Kyle Pitts, and Jordan Addison. So we'll see how it plays out for week three. And and for the actual lineup that I have in FanDuel right now, so it's Stafford, Mostert, Brees Hall, Jetta, Puka, and then they need a wide receiver three in FanDuel. So I had Pickens in my wide receiver three, Hits at the tight end and then flowers in my flex. Okay, so you guys pretty true to if, the FanDuel. Okay. If you guys want to, if you guys want to put the FanDuel, if you guys want to use the FanDuel lineup, that is what it is. Because Zay Flowers will have probably hundred yards and a touchdown this week. I have I no like defense. That. I like that. Unfortunately. Can't say it. I mean, what do you do? The two guys, when the two guys from their own team are like, Oh yeah, the other guy is gonna have a good week. Yeah. Kind of just have to kind of have to trust it. And uh Hopefully it is going to be a double whammy because they're going to beat my team and Dan's going to beat me for a second week in a row. But the plan is maybe... to go seventeen and zero or eighteen and zero. Actually, impossible. We'll change some rules. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to maybe give me a crutch a little bit. Last week, I, I will say I did go pretty heavy on stars. Uh, we'll probably probably try to include. Maybe there's a maybe there's a way to like I could use look up the FanDuel numbers and try to do it without having to have an account. We'll we'll try to figure something out. I think maybe we could uh, workshop it. Maybe I make a second. Well, I don't know. Maybe we don't talk about it on the air. Maybe we. Uh, it is gonna have to cut that one out. <laughs> maybe we. Maybe we plan plan a little later. Dan, when I was like when I when we were when we were like doing the idea for just this in general, I was like, oh, this will be fun. We'll do a midweek pod. Maybe it's a quick 60, 90 minutes, and uh, you know, some just to brush up on the NFL. Mm-hmm. And I think we've cut way into your gym time so we i think we i think we hit everything we need to hit nfl college it's on the board any any crazy stuff for week three you want to predict anything else you need to get out um i think any last stuff week three nfl denver's going to show why they're a bottom five team in the league and week four Mm. college football shooter sanders is going to show you why he's going to win heisman Mm. will colorado make more money than denver broncos this year is the question (laughs) is the question is that even possible? I don't know how how the revenue streams. I don't either. Work. I don't. I don't think so. But are we under? Are we underestimating Colorado as a location? It's beautiful. I mean, it's like middle of the nation. Nice skiing town. Nice. They're skiing just doing. State, they played you know, the night game there, and it's like the night game in the mountains. Dude, did you see? Uh, did you watch any of College Game Day that morning? The background that they've got with the Rocky Mountains behind them—that was sick. That's what I mean. That's that what nice. I mean. I know, I know it's always like, it's like college location. It's easy to just go, okay, a coast is desirable. You got all the California schools, all the Florida schools. And that's just going to be where everybody wants to go hang out on the beach. But I don't know. Mountains look pretty nice. Sleeping town. 
Dion in the mountains might not be so bad, but Ian Fatterport on X. Ian Fatterport on the X. Uh, I did make, I did pretty, I, I went off today when it came to tweeting. I made a couple oh, no. tweets in a row. Uh, they oh, no. look on the lookout, be on the lookout. There could be an Alexander Madison trade tonight. There could oh, no. be a couple trades today or tomorrow. Day's not over Well, that's yet. not good because we know what happens when Dan makes trades. It sounds like we got another top five list coming I'm, up soon. I'm not making these trades. I'm just Ian Fatiport's on the scoop. Oh, with oh. Alexander Madison scoop. could be on the move per source. As well per as source. Per source. Per chance. Per chance. Per chance. Per source is. When see. Mario steps outside he, to crush a toad, he knows he risks life per chance. But uh, per we chance. did it. Be back for next week, week three. I expect same time, same bad channel. Follow Ian, follow Rem and Sam on the Instagram, on the, the Instagram. On just, uh, how about just Instagram? Follow Rem and Sam on just Instagram, just YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the stuff. We got the Saturday show with Sam to look forward to. Some exciting stuff planned. And like I said, next week we'll be back doing it all again. Thank you.